Are you sick and tired of professional athletes? Hunting well, we've got a team that plays for the sheer love of the game. Good luck, huh? No strikes, no pampered superstars, and no crybabies. Well, at least no millionaire crybabies. Academy Award winner Walter Matthau. I'm a bum. Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neill. I'll be getting a bra soon. The original Bad News Bears. UPN Movie Trailer. Saturday afternoon at 1 on UPN 50. Time. You listen to Wolfman Jack, you gotta wonder. I mean, I guess that was his real voice, but did it, you know? I'm sure he accentuated it. It's like Holland Wolf. I know, but like, <laughs> did it hurt after a while? Like, if we were to do Wolfman Jack. Well, I think he was just, that was his, re- he was a lower <laughs> register. We're gonna do the entire episode like Wolfman Jack, because he was probably a smoker. So he smoked a lot of cigarettes and, you know, like Holland Wolf, all those guys. And, you know, I think a lot of those people are just. Um, Rochester from Jack Benny, you know, it's like they have those really messed up voices from, you know, Rochester said he got it from when he was a kid yelling newspapers on like the corner, mm-hmm. being a newspaper boy, he screwed his voice up. So maybe those guys, you know, chain smoking back then, or who knows if Wolfman was a a prolific, tra- a prolific, <laughs> uh, a, a prophetic, you know, smoker. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It yeah. seems like. Sounds painful. Yeah. I mean, a lot of those were like Tom Waits, you know, that's, it's like all these weird voices that like, uh. You think it sound a little? Yeah, but Wolfman's is like a very specific. Like uh, you got a strain for that. Yeah, he's into it. <laughs> you know who I? I think oh, I. Man. I first discovered him was on uh, the the uh, Garfield goes to Hawaii episode, the special. You know, back in the day, Garfield used to have those TV, the primetime yeah, yeah. specials, and he goes to Hawaii and he they they rent a '57 Chevy and they have to like then at the end of the episode like sacrifice the '57 Chevy to the. Volcano God with Garfield in or whatever, but Wolfman's like there in Hawaii. So like I'm Wolfman Jack. Well, it's interesting that they did the Garfield because I have this theory that when I edited on a certain show and they were trying to figure out what to do with it, I was always pitching like to remain remain nameless. <laughs> when I was working on comic books, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'd always be like, let's like really go out there. Like, let's have the expert beam into the scene. Like, let's be surreal. Yeah. Like when they're doing the podcast in the show, like let's have a window where like earth is out there. Like they're in a space <laughs> capsule doing, the <laughs> they're podcast. in the TARDIS <laughs> and they're trying to come up with like show ideas. And yeah. I was like, let's have it all be like old sitcom ideas. Like what are old, like a trip to Hawaii is yeah, class, two, like classic, <laughs> classic sitcom. You know, yeah, like yeah. the Brady's went to Hawaii, the go, growing pains went to Hawaii. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that like England going to London, London two parter. Yeah, exactly. They get stuck there. You know? But it's, so I think it's interesting. I think it's funny when there's like those conventions, like Garfield went to Hawaii. Yeah. He had a whole run of that, which I don't know what's first, the book or the specials. Uh, I, I mean, in the sense of the, specific episodes but you know it was like Gar- garfield goes to hollywood you know and there was a couple like garfield christmas garfield nine lives garfield uh babes and bullets which was a very good one they did a film noir babes and bullets <laughs> awesome there's a box set of all his those specials out you know um 
But yeah, man, Wolfman Jack's pretty cool. Wolfman Jack. You, you're listening to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. <laughs> Welcome back. I you am get Dion Wolfman Bayer. Jack sound like. And that also sounds one. like... Um, I'm Dr. T- we are... We is being known as the you know Electric Mayhem, which is uh, Doctor Teeth. Doctor Teeth, you know. Uh, and who else is with us? Jay Blake. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> Jay Blake. Blake. We have to uh, answer in the form of a question. Who is Jay Blake? Ooh, that is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to cost you a finger. Remember that Chris Farley that's back to Santa Live, where he's like, "Oh my lord!" You ever see that where? It's Mike Myers, and he's it, like, it's a it's a Japanese style of Jeopardy, and you know they they introduce these like oh that's all and you, it's all in Japanese, but it's of course fake Japanese. Yeah, yeah. And it gets to the third person, it's Chris Farley. He's like, I'm an American. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm. They said you at the hotel. Do you want to watch a show? And then it, and then at the end of it, it's like when they get it wrong, they have to cut a finger off, and the, the little girl's like hi hi, and he's like oh my lord, and he starts freaking out like oh oh is that you know it's very funny. But Sounds anyway, like it had to be like a post midnight, post twelve thirty, later in the night. Yeah, like, yeah, what's <laughs> going sketches on? Sketches would get a little bit yeah. crazy because at the <laughs> end of the at the end of the sketch, that he wins the semi round, and they have to hook him up to like a machine, and they put like stuff on his balls, and they, he gets electrocuted. You know, and it's like, oh, call the embassy. Yeah, that He's was like, like at twelve forty five. Yeah, right before the end, <laughs> before you see the goodnight fellas, and they all wave goodbye to you. Um, I do have to say, you know. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, well, back in October, we had done um, Night of the Scare- Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And in that, we were at, which is kind of connected tonight to this podcast we're doing the topic tonight. But that month, we were trying to figure out if there was any other uses of a scarecrow widely in mainstream. You know, we're talking about Batman and some other stuff. And I just saw a couple weeks ago. A there's one in Slapshot. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are. There is <laughs> Look at that! No, no, in the in the uh, uh, mid '60s, Disney did one called the the Scarecrow of Romney Marsh mm-hmm. with Patrick McGowan, a two-parter, and it's actually very good. And I got a copy of it. You know, it's out of print. It, it was released in the early 2000s in those metal the box tin, ones, yeah. the tins. And it was it's really cool. And what they did was they they did like a three-parter over the the three week episodes with Walt doing the intros and outros. Then they cut it into a movie called Doctor Sin, aka the scarecrow and it's about a vicar who's at you know it's like a robin hood in england and uh it was really big at the time and it's kind of part of their folklore although he's completely fabricated the character but so yeah that was a big staple that was an i update? guess a, an update we, we, we are a little amended yeah, update, update. <laughs> so we were wrong we we didn't know that there was a patrick mcgoon we love patrick mcgoon mcgoon and and uh there is a connection with uh dark knight of the scarecrow to this movie tonight we're doing but yeah you already spilled the beans we're doing tonight an oldie but goodie an oldie but a goodie. No, a real goodie. Good old slap shot. Yeah. 1977. 1977. Going uh, way back to 1977 with a classic. It's the Casey Kasem. So you'll do the <laughs> Casey Kasem. <laughs> Going right again. There, Jinkies, Scooby. That's, uh, that's uh, Velma does that. Um, anyway. But you have a connection. This is uh, fun. This is going to be real fun. Because is it now? We're gonna we're gonna go down the alley. We're gonna also talk about y- you have an affinity for this movie because of a uh, of a uh, how would you approach, a technical aspect? Uh, why? Because I I played hockey. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you, you, you played hockey. You were you did hockey. You, you you were on hockey teams in high school, right? Yeah. 
And then not only that, you transcended and you became a hockey instructor or a skating instructor. Yeah, well, I taught hockey skills. I, uh... <coughs> going way back, <laughs> going way down <laughs> the alley. Back to the mid-90s. Even before that, I mean, this movie, I was introduced to Slapshot pretty young. I had an older brother, or I have an older brother. <laughs> Still have an older brother. Yes. And we grew up in Philadelphia uh, in my youngest years. And so the Philadelphia Flyers were a big deal. Oh, yeah. It's like the Boston Bruins. Like and uh, and street hockey was a big deal in our neighborhood. And so my brother played street hockey with his friends a lot. And when I was big enough to basically for my brother to put like street hockey goalie gear on and just like sit me in front, you were the goalie <laughs> in front the- of a goal so that they could fire, you know, plastic pucks or like hockey street hockey balls at me. I was an obstacle to try <laughs> to shoot around. Uh, but I remember my brother had a friend who I think was even older than him. Has or had <laughs> that. I don't know if he's still friends with the guy or not. Um, I want to say the guy's name was Bill, but I really don't remember. But I remember he took me and my brother took me over to this guy's house and they were doing something. I feel like he had a computer, but this was like 80s. That's cool. They were doing something and they they put like a VHS tape of Slapshot in. And I basically just sat on the bed and watched Slapshot. And that's your memory of the first view. I think it was my first view. Yeah. Well, they did stuff. And then when funny shit would happen, like the guy would rewind it. Like when the organist gets hit in the head. With the, I remember like rewinding that like eight times. <laughs> Watching that poor guy get hit in the head with the puck like eight times. So, God, I had to be six or seven. Okay. Eight maybe at the oldest. And were you at the time on the ice? No, no. I didn't start playing ice hockey until I moved to Albany when I was around 10. Yeah. Uh. But that was even a big deal because when we moved to Alb- the Albany area, just north of Albany, I remember my pe- my stepdad and my mom saying, you want to play hockey? You know, because hockey was such a big thing for us growing up. Yeah. Like, to have the opportunity to actually play ice hockey. Uh, I was like, yeah. And it was t- it's a tough sport. Oh, yeah. It is probably... I know the people that were way into like baseball and football and basketball are going to disagree, but it is probably the toughest sport, somewhat mainstream sport to play. I used to say to the football players when I was in high school, because uh, they thought the football was so hard. And I'm not saying football is not hard, but uh, I'd say, look, I, you know, like I could play football. I might not be the best football player. But you can't even you can't even play hockey. He's like, well, if I knew how to skate, I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know how to skate. <laughs> like, yeah. You have to know. There's a to learning s- curve. It's like <laughs> learning how to drive the race, you know. And it's very fast. You move much faster on the skates than you do on your feet. Uh, so it's a very fast game. So uh, when I was about ten, I started playing ice hockey, and I stunk for a long time. I mean, I was a kid who never played before. And then eventually, I started going to a, a hockey uh, skills school. In Troy, New York, uh, North American Hockey Systems, I think it was called. And I just decided to take it really seriously. I was playing baseball in the summer and stuff, and I said to my stepdad, uh, who was my coach for base for Little League, I said, uh, would you mind if next year I don't play baseball? 
And he's like, why? why? I was like, because I think I want to play hockey. <laughs> I'm all in. Because <laughs> I think I, I think I want to play hockey around. There were summer leagues and stuff. That's an 80s movie right there. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the plot of it. And you have the summer, you know, montage of you training on the ice. <laughs> oh, way to the danger zone. So I went all in. I, t- I was working on my skills once a week or once or twice a week uh, at the hockey school. And that's you doing like uh, freaking, uh, uh, what do you call it, exercises? Or, yeah, or different skating exercises and even stick work and yeah. all that stuff. And uh this was Drills. this was maybe seventh or eighth grade. I decided to start taking it really seriously, and then in ninth grade, we didn't have a junior varsity hockey team. We only had a varsity team, and they only took one or two freshmen a year. And uh, but I decided that when I was a freshman that I wanted to try out for the team, and uh, I made the team. So I played four years of varsity hockey as a Shenandoah Plainsman. Shenandoah. I don't know. Shenandoah Plainsman, and then my senior year, I was the assistant captain. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's not a small feat, right? Because there's two assistants and a captain. Yeah, yeah. And how do you, do you feel like you got it from, uh, you know, like you think it was uh, you knew people, or it was also your skills? Uh, the assistant, I think it was honestly or willingness I, to do it. Uh, I I think I only got picked to be assistant captain. I think I think the other I think the team voted on it. And I kind of think I only got picked because by that point I was the only guy that had been on the, I had like seniority. Like I was on the team the longest. Yeah. I think out of almost everybody, if maybe there was maybe one other goalie that had also made it as a freshman. Uh, and then, so I kind of made it out of seniority. I didn't have the best time playing in high school. I, the coach never really knew what to do with me. I played one season. I played defense so the next season he put me as a forward and then the next season i was a f- defense again um I th- I was like i was a guy without a place yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I that mean? happened to everybody or it was just, just no it was me it was just yeah. me it was and it was my role was uh i was a hustler and uh i had heart so it was like for sure go out there and you know hit some bodies and make shit happen. You and, were, then, you and then once the team got like riled up, then I was, I would sit some more <laughs> or I'd get like rotated in. Like I didn't have a line, but I would, I would get like every other shift. I would make it in. So you it were was like a, a weird Hansen or a Carlson. I, by my senior year, I was one of the bigger player players. So yeah, I, the, the coach tried to use me in that role, but I was not a goon. Yeah. And also, when you're in high school, I mean, there's really strict rules. I can only think of one time where we had like a bench clearing brawl, <laughs> and that was that's really rare for high school. Yeah, but dude, but in high school, you still get brawls. Like, I mean, you still get no, no. Fights, you're not no. really allowed in like professional hockey. Even now, though, when they start to fight, the refs will let it go for like five, ten minutes. This is like if you get in a fight, you're pulled off right away and you're thrown out of the game and then that, 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 that's it they take that shit really seriously in uh, in high school um, we had one year and, and hockey it's a it's a very it's a very I maybe that maybe not now but back then when I played it was a very white sport yeah there weren't very many black people that played hockey not even in the NHL yeah but there was one year well the kid played on our team more than one year, but the first year he was on the team, we had a black kid on the team. Yeah. And so this became a bit of a, 
contentious thing with other teams. You know, certain racial slurs would get thrown around. Seriously. And, um, and oh, yeah, it's like a real, this is like the behind the, <laughs> the, the back of the bike episode. Of and there was, uh, there was this one kid in an early game of the season. It might even have been a scrimmage, like preseason scrimmage. And uh, he was running his mouth off and he made the mistake of skating right by our bench. And as he skated, our bench called the black kid the N-word. Jesus. And the coach was like, ref, did you hear this? This is unacceptable. And then we all looked at the coach and we're like, you know, kind of, all right, coach is against this. And one of our players just stuck his hand out and grabbed the guy by the face mask. <laughs> and held him. <laughs> and then threw him on the ice. And we all just jumped off the bench. And that was the only time I'd ever seen like a high school. And then you, you all beat him up or then his bench and then cleared? And his then his the other bench cleared. And it was the only time I'd ever seen like a high school bench clearing brawl. That's terrible. And I think the game got called. And I remember our coach came in and he... He came in and he was like, this is unacceptable. This is not how we do things. You know, like scolding us. And uh, Coach, he called him the N-word. And then right before he, right when he stopped the beef, he's like, but I just want to say, I am proud of you guys for sticking up for your player. And we all started cheering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's unacceptable. That's yeah, yeah. It yeah. was, um, and he was, good. He was, a, he was a, good, a good player and a nice guy. Um, but he's, he's dead now. <laughs> But, you know, it was, you know, my high school was, our my graduating class was bigger than your and my college graduating class. Yeah, my you, high school was huge. But, yeah, that's the thing. Where you were in, in upstate New York, it was like y- your school wasn't just a high school. It was like a facility, right? Uh, it was like a like whole. Like my graduating high school class was 313. What was yours? I don't even know. But it was, I like, was, it was like over, I remember, I think I remember you saying it was like like close to a thousand or must, crazy. I think it must have been, yeah. Yeah. The way it was the Shenandoah School District up in Clifton Park, New York. <laughs> I believe there was eight, eight elementary schools. Okay. Those eight elementary schools filtered into two middle schools. Okay. And then those two middle schools filtered, filtered into one high school. So, I mean, that's a lot of kids. Yeah. And... Uh, but as big as my graduating, as big as my high school was, yeah, but weren't a lot of school, uh, schools next to each other, right? Something too. They had there was like a campus where all but two of the elementary, one or two of the elementary schools were not on the campus. So you had six elementary schools, two middle schools, and a high school on the Shenandoah site. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. old the old Indian burial ground. <laughs> Yeah, that they had to repel Indian attacks in order to make. But to, to just to make it, just to give you an example, I shouldn't joke about the Native Americans either. That's terrible. The uh, just to give you, uh, well, I mean, that was the Plainsmen. That was Mohawk. <laughs> I mean, it was. The, we're You're talking, up to, we're, we're like, talking about this is Ticonderoga. Yeah, this is Iroquois uh, country. Yeah, where they where they were slaughtered. The yeah, with French uh, the, the French Indian War with uh, Last of the Mohegans is all I mean, up there. The Native American Fort William Henry is a big deal up there, of course. On um, all the schools were named after. Tasago, Scano, they were all Native American words. Yeah. You know, uh, Coda, Gowana yeah. was one of the middle schools, uh, Shenandoah. But just, to, I mean, also just up there in general, out of as huge as my high school was, you know, we're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of kids with like, you know, three or four grades in one building. There was maybe five black kids. Yeah. In the entire school. Yeah. Um, so... That's quite different for where I was raised. Yeah. You know, I was in New Haven, Hamden, and it was like, a, you know, it's one of these, it's almost one of these, 
it's one of these cities that were on this, you know, the regional lists in the old days, New Haven. We had a big, you know, we had the, uh, the what is it, the Nighthawks, New Haven Nighthawks. Yeah. They were huge in the, in the, in the, what do you call the lower region and all that? So like, you know, but even when I grew up in Philadelphia, it was more, you know, racially. Mixed. Yeah. But up in Clifton Park, New York, it was, it was white. It was white. Yeah. Now. Because we were in, you know, that's where in urban areas when you go up into the, into more, yeah. you know, thing people weren't so i played hockey my my brother was very into hockey uh my dad used to take us to flyers games when i lived in philadelphia um like i said my brother and his friends played street hockey i would often get they throw pads on me and shoot at me (laughs) well how did you then start teaching Oh, so the, the the school that I was taking classes from hockey skills yeah the hockey skills classes uh i started i think I don't know. I don't remember how I got the job there, but then I taught there when I, I taught there in, during summers and when I was in high school, I would, I would teach some nights and on weekends. And, uh, then there was big summer camps that were big whole rinks. Mike, the guy I worked for Dave Randall, he had a small, he had a small rink. His yeah. mom was a figure skating teacher and then he taught hockey skills. And so they kind of, and the, the rink he built on his mom's property. Uh, and so then they would alternate classes in terms of, she would teach her figure skating there. He would teach the hockey skills. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I worked at it. And then eventually he, I think he asked me if I wanted to help out and then that helping out led to a, a paying job. And so, uh, and you were doing that when we met. Yeah, I did that. We started dating. <laughs> I did that every summer from, Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think after college, because I remember dropping you off at Rye Playland. Yeah, yeah. One day but you I did it all through high school. I yeah. did it through like four years of high school and then four years of college. So I did it every summer for eight years. Yeah. And like I said, when I was in high school, I would teach uh, even during the week sometimes. And it was a good paying job. I mean... And you were doing stuff here too, because like I said, we were in Westchester. Yeah, well, in the summer, sometimes he would book stuff down here. Pelham, um, Poughkeepsie. Yeah. Stuff like that. And so we would take road trips or even stay in a hotel and stuff. And um, and the, the irony of it was teaching for four years after college, I was better. I was probably a better hockey player after I graduated high school than I was during high school. Like yeah. After I had stopped playing, like everything kind of really clicked. Yeah. Through the te- through the, the repetition of teaching it, yeah, <laughs> that where I had no outlet for it. Yeah, you know? I mean, I was good enough that I could have played like Division three in college if I want. If I went to a college that had a, a hockey team, I could have played like Division three. Yeah, I don't. Th- to my recollection, hockey doesn't. There's like no Division two in hockey. There's like Division three and Division one. I. I wasn't good enough to play Division one hockey, but I could have played Division three hockey probably. And Shenandoah was like a big school where yeah. I grew up. I mean, they were it was a reputable team and. And stuff like that. But so, yeah, hockey was kind of uh, in my blood, even as street hockey and then playing ice hockey. And uh, so Slapshot is a movie that my brother introduced me to at a very young age. And so it's always had this very warm, nostalgic, even as a kid, you don't really get a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. uh, Or how brilliant or whatever. Yeah. uh, Do you still have any affinity towards hockey? Do you you ever watch any hockey? Or no, I haven't watched. Have you gone to a Rangers game in the city? I would love to go to a Rangers game. Um, 
just because I would love to just go and be around it, but I haven't really watched it in a yeah. long, long time. I've never actually gone to a professional hockey game. Well, we I've should gone go to, to a hockey game sometime. I, uh, I've, <laughs> we should go to a hockey game. I've been to Yale games, like college games yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And my dream is always to go to a Boston Bruins game because, you know, when I was up in Connecticut, to me, I always got, like, the, the antenna channels of Boston. Yeah. And that always, to me, seemed like, you know, Boston's, you know, the shit for, for hockey, hockey up in this region. <laughs> and, you know, and, and like I said, growing up, regional hockey was huge, just like regional wrestling. Every, that's a very big part of this movie, regional stuff for this movie. And uh, I did, uh, I played baseball, like, during uh, school, like, you know, elementary school and then middle school. And then I got yeah. out of it in high school because I started doing, like, martial arts. I did a keto. But that's what happened with me where I wasn't that good of a player and I didn't hit well. But literally near the last game, it clicked with me. Yeah, yeah. And I figured it out. Like, it was almost like you were able to get gain, like, uh, like the system is rigged to figure out <laughs> how to do it. And I was, I was awesome. I remember the coach saying to me, like, the last game, like, where have you been all season? And I'm like, I don't know. It just clicked with me. And then, yeah, yeah. That's, and then after that, I had no outlet. I got into high school. I wasn't going to play then. And then yeah, I yeah. started acting. I think the last hockey game I went to, it's funny because you and I were just talking about Chachi, this guy that we went to high school, we went to college with. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about him recently. I think the last hockey well, he's game. He executive produces that show on Spike now, the, uh, the Brow- Browder story. Yeah. About the kid at Rikers, yeah. But, uh Last hockey game I went to, I think he had tickets to a Rangers game. Somebody had given him tickets to a Rangers game, and he called me and said, "You want?" And I hadn't seen them for a while because after we were out of college, he said, "You want to go see the Rangers?" I was like, "Sure," <laughs> and I met him at Madison Square Garden. He's like, "You know, somebody gave me these tickets," and I was like, "Who the hell would go? I don't know anybody else that would might want to go see it except for you." So we went. And we we caught up, uh, and we we did that. But even that was a long time ago. Um, I've talked to other friends of mine that are into hockey and uh, said, hey, we should go, but nothing's ever come out of it. I want to go. I wanted to go to the Boston thing, but then I told my wife, and she's like, no, we're going to go to the New York. We're going to support New York. We're in New York. Dude, I was like, but... <laughs> I was like, but I, I guess we can go to a Rangers game, but but I mean, that's not like I have any loyalty anywhere. <laughs> but it's just that you know, you you have that in your head all your life that like yeah, you know, yeah. go to Boston, go to a Brewers game, but I now, guess it don't really matter, does it? No, I guess not. Well, if you're not following it, yeah, yeah. Then what's the difference? Um, now, Slapshot. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. You know, that's my story with Slapshot, and so this is a movie that I've have had a fondness for since I was pretty young. Uh. And I think it's also one of those things where, like, your older brothers, and I mean, you don't have an older brother, but when you have, an older, dead. When you have right. an older sibling, there's a little bit of, you kind of get into the stuff. Well, you have, like, Martin's brothers and stuff. You, yeah. You've said that, like, you kind of listen to music. It was, that, yeah, with that, their stuff was music. To because you know. Martin listened to stuff his brothers were yeah. into. Um, but I think that's part so of they it. were my vicarious older Yeah, brothers. like, you get introduced to stuff. But they weren't into like uh, sports, so I never was really. My father's into football, baseball, yeah. basketball. Well, my brother and my father and always watch sports. I never really, even as I never went through. I went through maybe very short periods where I watched basketball and hockey. Uh, I, I've always enjoyed going to games. Like I'll go to a baseball game. I'll go to a yeah. Hockey game. I've enjoyed. I enjoy going, but. I can really care less when I'm when they're on TV. I mean, maybe I can get into a baseball game if it's like a like a you know 4K television yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, like especially it. football. I mean, I'm gonna say things that'll piss people off, but football just bores the <laughs> shit out of me because football, all they're doing is stopping down, setting back up. Well, my yard, somebody misfired. It's like I like. I went to Ireland in 2006 and saw like a rugby game. And it's yeah, like that's yeah. great. Rugby. Ireland is, and Ireland has you know uh, was it 
hurling. Yeah. That is an intense sport. Yeah, you know, even regular soccer, football, as they call it over there, is great. You I know, wish we had Irish hurling. That game is crazy. Yeah. That game is batshit crazy. You know, I mean... It's like... A, it's like I, it's probably the hardest game on foot because it's a mix of like baseball and field hockey and lacrosse and people are running full speed instead of instead of you know uh you know keeping the ball in the net of lacrosse like you're literally hitting the ball you have to dribble the ball on your stick yeah yeah and and your stick is like a hockey stick (laughs) it has like a a curve to it i think then you throw it up and you hit it like a baseball to score yeah and there's a net and there's uprights it's that game is crazy it's insane i wish they televised you know that that game i would watch it's like um what was uh well they may very well because now we're getting sky sports and stuff and football or soccer's kind of catching on internationally and never really to the extent of in europe but you might be able to get some of that other stuff because they're starting to simulcast stuff but uh, Uh, yeah my, my dad and my brother were always into sports watching sports and stuff i mean i don't recall my dad ever taking taking me anyway to an eagles game but my dad would take us to the phillies and we're you know so in the we're talking 80s so you know, those are like the Mike Schmidt years. Of, yeah, yeah. And then Sixers, seeing Dr. J. That was wow. like the towards the end of Dr. J's run. with this, And uh, so, so we went to the Sixers, Flyers, and Phillies. Um, I've only been to a couple of Yankee games. I've been to one Met game. I've been to the Met game that they were uh, filming the wave for, for um, uh, three men and a little lady. <laughs> you know, if you if you're... <laughs> Stand up now and do the wave. You'll be in the movie. And that was the the game I was at. And then I've been, I haven't been to a baseball game since the summer of 9-11. I went right before we got out of college. Yeah. You know, which, you know, uh, so. And then since then, I kind of don't want to go because I don't really agree with locally what they did with Steinbrenner. Like they knocked down Yankee Stadium, which they didn't really need to. And then now tickets are astronomical. And I hate that end of it where they've kind of, it's like Broadway. We always talk about, they kind of price you out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's all about companies and corporate now but for me i never uh my dad was huge in the sports as you know but then i never it never really caught on for me so yeah, i never think did for me either. it's odd that this podcast everyone's listening to we're probably the strangest guys in the world <laughs> because we don't really care for sports i, I will much, say you know? i love sports movies though well this is where this is the segue then because so it's um, like rocky is my favorite is maybe my favorite yeah movie and you like time. the baseball you like the um i love watching i love sports movies i love major girls. leagues you know i like major league i love the replacements with yeah, keanu see? reeves yeah i even like the girl sports ones like, yeah uh, the, what's the one with the with the, the i like bring it on and Blue yeah, Crush there it is, there it is. stick it yeah yeah <laughs> do you like the like big wednesday in those movies like the surfer does it matter or I mean, like or well, Days you know of Thunder, what? you know, when you get into the yeah, uh, I yeah, Days Days of Thunder is okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, a big ones. I haven't seen that movie in forever. What's the other one with the uh, everybody loves with the ki- it's the kid's name, uh, not Hoosiers. The f- it's the Rudy. You, I'm Rudy, sure you're a big Rudy. I like Rudy. Fan. Sure, I yeah. like Rudy. I like Hoosiers too. Yeah, yeah. North Shore. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. Someone, you, you there's a, there's, a, there's yeah. a surf movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, but so, yeah, I'm a big fan of... The camaraderie. Well, here. here's the thing. I never loved... Uh, I you, think the reason why, in terms of playing sports, I'm just... I'm not a competitive person when it comes to... Even if I play, like, a board game with somebody, like, I really don't care if I win or not. I think you say that, but I think you do care a little bit. And even when I would play video games... With like a room, my roommate Phil Nuvion. Yeah, we would never play each other. You play. We always 
played as a team. And so you got a bad taste in your mouth from doing the sports, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you hated, like, the, how you'd see. It's almost like the, 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 I always bring up, like, the Bad News Bears. You see, you saw, like, the stuff Vic Morrow yelling at the kid. You'd I love see the that. Bad News Bears. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, that, yeah. I mean, sports parents are the worst. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a weird catch 22 double-edged sword thing where I don't necessarily agree with like everybody. You don't keep score and you don't win yeah. a trophy and everybody gets a trophy. But I also hate when the parents get so competitive that they ruin it. Yeah, they're getting into fist fights over their kid or something. <laughs> yeah. Or they like yell at the kid. They, they ruin a kid's life for yeah. childhood. Yeah. Like I used to play baseball and basketball with this kid growing up when I lived in Philadelphia, uh, and he was like, he was always the best kid on the team. He was very talented, but his dad was hard on him and it was always felt bad for him. And you know, I don't understand. I don't know. It's like, what's the right thing to do is it's, um, you know, you, you, you see these things where it's like, you know, the, the, the parent is hard on the child and they break the child, but then it's the best thing that ever happened to the child because it taught the child, whatever skill he knows <laughs> yeah, now yeah. or, yeah, or it's, or is it like, you know, the parent, you're, you're completely messing the, I'm one to believe that you're kind of messing the kid up, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if you're, if you're. That builds character. Yeah, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know, he's, he's going to be up a faggot or something when he grows up. It's like, you know, <laughs> this is, it's terrible people, you know. But so here's my question though, because yeah. out of the two of us. Yeah. You are certainly. Me? More of the quote unquote guy movie guy. Now, yeah, yeah. Than I, compared to me. Um. So I mean, but I don't get the sense this was ever a movie for you. No, I you you uh, turned me on to it. I mean, I remember in like 1998, which is when we lived together. It was when we we met in 97. 97 yeah, 1998 when we were roommates. Back when like Maxim magazine was a big deal during that sitcom we had. <laughs> Dorm days. Yeah, there was the, the, the uh, TGIF sitcom that was after Mr. Belvedere. Where we had a cat that talked. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, Max Magazine made a list of like the 100. Was it a magician? The high, 100, great, 100 greatest guy movies of all time. Yeah. And they ranked Slapshot as the number one greatest yeah, they guy did. movie of, a, of yeah. all time. Because I remember I bought that issue. Yeah. And well-deserved, I think, too. You know? Uh, I don't go out. I don't. I think I don't. I don't go out and seek sports movies because they annoy me because of the the the, the issues I have with sports in general or the mm -hmm. reasons why the, the 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 movies will annoy me. So a lot of that ends up turning me off to stuff. I think the I think it's the competitiveness of it and like the the roughness of it. But I do enjoy myself like a Bad News Bears. I do like. Uh, some of the biopics, you know, they do yeah, like yeah. on say or baseball, Pride of the Yankees, and stuff like that. But you know, I've like the natural, uh, uh, like, uh, 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 what's if you suck it, it will come. Uh, <laughs> what's the feel the dreams? Feel the dreams? Well, that's really? Not really a sports? No, movie. but but I mean, it involves sports. I'm, yeah, okay, yeah. so like Major League or I mean, Boulder. I think what I like, guess what I was saying about like, uh, I was never really a competitive person, but I love. For me, like playing sports, it was. My goal was, like, I could really have cared less if we won or lost. What was important to me is whether I did my best. Yeah. If when it was done, did I could I say to myself, like, I played as well as I could have played? It was always, maybe that's why, like, golf would have been, a, is, might be a good game for me. Because it was always more about 
like competing with myself, like yeah. competing against another team. And I think that's why I like sports movies is because at the end of the day, most sports movies are about like perseverance. They're not really about winning. That's why I bought when we graduated college, I bought each, we both, I bought us identical chess boards. Yeah. So that we were going to play chess from like correspondence. <laughs> Remember that? You were going to set your chessboard up. and I, <laughs> Rook to king five. Yeah. I would get that on like a postcard. <laughs> <You're> like, mm. <laughs> and then right. I'd do it. And then I would, I would write it out on another postcard and I'd send it to you. <laughs> and then I'd have to wait three weeks. <laughs> Years of one And I would sit game. there with my hand on my chin waiting, looking at the board. Um, but then like, you know, like Rocky's not about beating Apollo Creed. Yeah. Rocky's about going the distance. And I think those are... The, the sports movies that I like are more about that than anything else. Yeah. It's about, like, can we compete, yeah. not can we win. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you like the one, the Kurt Russell movie about the 1980 uh, USA team? Oh, Miracle? Yeah, I yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I love that movie. Yeah, because that, that's a great movie. So it's like, God, you know. That, the fact that Kurt Russell's in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. The Russ. Is, yeah, of course. That's a that's a, that's a no-brainer. Oh, yeah, I love you know, But it's a, it's a great story, especially in the time of... It's, Even uh, when it came out, like you know, the context of you know of of uh, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a great school. It's a great story. I mean, it's a Disney movie. Yeah, so, I mean, there's but it has there's going to be a certain amount of like, like heart. Well, heart, but also um, like quality. Yeah, you know. So it was. It, I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. I mean, you know, I'm a guy, so I'll cry at sports movies, and I'll I'll admit. When Russ, when he wins and he goes into the back, he like sees his wife and he does he can't even say anything to her. He's just shocked that they won and he goes into the back. And he's by himself and then he kind of celebrates by himself. I'm getting a little weepy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting here handing you the Kleenexes, the tissues. Or uh, when uh, the the kids they're too competitive with each other and then finally, you know, they they do those drills after that game and the things like you know what what's your name and who do you play for? And finally the guy's like, I play for the United States of America. And that's like the big turning moment when yeah. the, the team comes Da-da-da, together. Yeah. yeah, It's a good movie. It's, yeah, a, yeah. Well, it's a well-constructed script. Yeah. Uh, to tell such a big story. Yeah. I mean, cause I guess for people outside of the, uh, that era, um, you don't realize it's probably it. the second best hockey movie of all time. <laughs> yeah. Aside After slap shot. There's other slap shots too, though. We have this, <laughs> well, we have it's definitely better three. than slap shot two and slap shot three. Uh, so I never knew about this movie until I met you because you were, you were into hockey and then you, I don't know how you showed it to me. And then it, that corresponded with when we graduated college, it came out for the 25th anniversary. Yeah. So I got it on DVD then the big, 25 because that was a big, the big thing two five because i was working at a video store at the time so we did like a hey you know it, it was a big kind of release and then they i think they did the sequel to correspond with the 25th anniversary which is with, with uh stephen baldwin maybe isn't it in the hansen brothers stephen baldwin's in at least one of them yeah, yeah. that's the second you gave me like the tommy k the screener yeah. screener <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's i it was only for you were only screening it you weren't doing anything oh, else i with didn't it. sell them yeah, yeah i probably still have them to be honest with you yeah and then that and that i think kind of flopped but they they must have thought about hey you know the one's making a big two five let's bring it back and you know so then that didn't do very well so i knew about it then and i had it, and i own it since then i bought that so i've yeah, had yeah. owned that bad boy for i don't know how many years it's been now well, 19- oh, right now it's the thirtieth anniversary. It's the 
No, it's the 40th. 40th anniversary. It's this year, as in 1977-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-2017-19-
takes place in the fictional town of uh, uh, Charlestown, Pennsylvania. Yeah. But was doubling for Johnstown, which in the, where this is all, and they, which is cool. They shot it all there, or most of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's actually really fascinating. The circuit. I find the the this movie, you know, aside from the entertainment value of loving it and, and thinking it's funny and enjoying the movie. And I really would love to talk about all that because I think it's an actually actually very interesting movie, yeah. a very uh, interesting script. Um, but the fact that it, it's it's written by this woman, yeah. which for one is what you would think would be interesting, especially yeah. for the seventies. Yeah, um, uh, Nancy Dowd. She had a brother who played in the John's on the Johnstown Jets team. Um, named Ned. Ned. And yeah. he was a minor league hockey player. And she found the stories he would tell about it, like, interesting. And, like, this whole idea of this minor league regional hockey, you know, community, this thing happening. And then one day he said to her, he's like, our team's up for sale. And she was living in L.A. at the time. She was living in L.A., and I think she even moved back. Yeah, she had, she had some film work. She The only real big credit to her, she was a writer of a documentary called FTA, which means Fuck the Army, which was a uh, Jane Fonda and um, Donald Sutherland-run acting troupe, and they would go to Army bases. They would go to theaters near Army bases and put on this thing to try to get troops to get out of the army because they hated the army because of the Vietnam War. Yeah, so yeah. that was her only real credit was that she produced this or helped write this documentary FTA, FTA. And then she like you said her brother said, "Hey, we're up for sale." So she moved back home and to Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And she was going to I guess do a doc. Her original idea was to do a doc version of what was going on to maybe document because at the time too, remember docs were kind of big. We had Har uh, what was it Harlan County, USA? That was seventies. That was big. And yeah, yeah. You know, you have um, the other one, Best Boy, which is near and dear to my heart. So like, there was a, there was a a place. I mean, there is a yeah, place well, nowadays I mean, the for, for waltzes around that. Time yeah, exactly. Or? There's a lot. So there is, and even today, there's a place for a good documentary. So I think she went there with the idea of to do a doc. So she gave her brother a cassette player. And he and she would just say, "Hit record when you're around your, you know, yeah, your teammates in the locker room and hanging out with your, just to see what they talked about." And she found it all so interesting. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I guess you know it is fascinating. And, and and also to step back, you think of dating it. It's like in 1977, this was like almost deemed like X, the, the you know the profanity in it and stuff like that. You know, all the swearing, and I guess it's it's completely commonplace now. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I mean, it was all actually that gorgeous snatch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious to think. But when I was watching it, you know, when we watched it together, seeing Paul Newman cuss like a sailor, I was like, wow, that is kind of, uh, you know, he's really going to town. Yeah, but it's, yeah. you realize in the context of it all. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, it's a, basically, I mean, look, you know, to put it in, I'm going to put it in an odd context that you'll understand. And hopefully more people will understand. Although I don't think Martin is a, is a movie that a lot of people know. George, George, George Romero's, Romero's Martin. Martin. But George Romero's Martin is about this kid who lives in, he moves to Pennsylvania. Yeah, to Pittsburgh. Outside Pittsburgh to a, a mill town that where the mill's closed and the town's just sitting there. They're the living dead, basically, just waiting for this town to reopen. And, and this is like the neighboring town. It's like the same time, the same fucking like, you know, like factory mill town closed. I mean, this is, I mean, uh, unfortunately, this is, uh, you know, still 
uh, an issue, this idea. Of, yeah, this uh, is, I find, you're going down the road that I find found very fascinating with this viewing for me. I feel like we're like Cisco and Ebert, <laughs> <laughs> like facing each other in the theater aisle, um, is that it represents an era post-World War II where we had this huge prosperity during the 50s. And then, you know, through the tumultuous 60s and the Vietnam War, you get to the 70s and with, with you know, um, urban renewal and the... the uh, you, you get in the uh, suburbs and, all, and people are moving out. A lot of these cities are starting to die. And a lot of these cities that have are factory-based, whatever it is, steel, mill, yeah, yeah. coal, uh, car or auto or whatever, that they're, they're going dry. And it's, it's funny you get a town like this. It's almost – I haven't seen Deer Hunter in a lot of years, but that takes place in Cleveland. And, you know, that's a big thing about the – you know, they still have the steel factories in Cleveland, yeah, yeah. you know, but that was a big thing where it revolves around, you know, everyone works at the mill. And that's a thing here where it's, for me, it was so interesting that like, it's like a, it's like a decay or a breakdown of like the social norms in the sense where like everyone's still going through the motions of whatever it is, like, you know, their marriage or their uh, entertainment value or doing this on a night, but no one's happy. They're supposed to be happy, and they're telling everybody that they're happy, like the girls in it, yeah, you know, all the yeah. girlfriends of all the hockey guys. You know, it's all very fake in a sense because, you know, even marriages, everyone's married in it, but nobody's uh, monogamous in it. They're all having – and it's completely okay, and it's kind of like, oh, that's par for the course, yeah. you know. And it's interesting that, like, all these these social norms are, are kind of breaking down, you know, and – uh and then what it's accepted is like beating and violence. The violent people are like that's what appeals to them. And I guess that's kind of like m- very um, uh, primal for us going back to like the Coliseum days, where like sure. people want to see a good beatdown or like you know a good murder, kill kill some Christians or whatever. Yeah. You so know? I mean, the, the the movie set against this factory town, and it's that's fascinating because to her credit, I mean, you know, you think if if you don't do the doc route, they end up turning it into a narrative. Yeah, it could get boring. You know what I mean? <coughs> Just having it be high, but to put in Newman's character into this to me is so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. you know that it it that that's a great story to set it in this. You know, and you could tell it's all shot on location. You know what I mean? It's all very you know. So it's it's yeah. I mean, it's just it's a it's a great story it's and a it's, time caps and it's a great script um and i only brought up the martin thing because sometimes we like to you know we joke around like this the universe of film if it's like if everything's taking place in one universe it's like the charlestown chiefs oh, right the, the town like the over. neighboring town <laughs> where yeah. there's the serial killer across the street like in the next town Acting over like a vampire and uh even when i when i did the uh romero uh uh, podcast on the wrong reel with James Hancock. Uh, you know, I said a lot of the Romero stuff is like that. If you think like crazy's a night in the living dead, that could be, you know, in in a way crazy's is, is the first sequel to night of the living dead. Yeah. And there's a movie that Romero made that most people haven't seen called season of the witch. But, but the thing that's stuff that's going on on in that movie is like you can totally see being the neighboring town. To Season Martin. of the Witch. Yeah. So no relation to the third Halloween movie. No, no. It's just yeah. called. It's and it's there's other titles for it, but uh, you know you could totally see like that that movie being the neighboring town to to where Martin lives. I always and, find that fascinating. And you can to... also see that totally here. Because it is like the same, almost the same year. I think I think it might be like 77. Yeah, Martin, yeah, it's either 77 or 7. No, maybe it's 76. Is it? Because it's is pre-dawn, it right? Because I think 77. 77 is dawn. I might be mistaken. I thought 78 was dawn. Maybe. But it might be 77. You might. So you're right. If it's 78, then it might be 76 for Martin. Although 
anyway, it's around the yeah. same time. It's funny because for me, I'm always like referencing my real life stuff in like Frank Capper movies. So I'm like, Christmas <laughs> in Connecticut, it could be happening at the same time as Bedford Falls and it's a wonderful life. Isn't that lovely? And you're like, Martin with vampire serial killers is happening. Well, it's next all to that like weird central or western yeah, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania yeah. steel country. But it represents, especially for the Northeast where we grew up, the idea of this social and economical thing where you know stuff was starting to dry up you had you had the the mass migration of african americans post war from the south to go up here to 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 try to get jobs but the jobs were leaving because people were moving to the suburbs and that yeah. got urban renewal which got to crime and ghettoized institutions you know so it's like this is it's i love that you know the idea of them being at this mill and they don't really tell what it is. It's a steel mill or whatever. Some kind of mill that's yeah. closing. And, and they, they don't believe panicking. it's closing. They're like, yeah, it's never going to close. Yeah, they like, just tell it's, that. And it's so gonna, everybody be happy. And that's a scary thing. Like, I remember um, a friend of mine here was doing a weekend show where I work, and we went to do a show uh, at a place, a DHL factory okay. that closed in Ohio. And my friend went, they hosted, they did the show out there. So he went with the crew to set up and all that, and they did the show. And he said, like, this factory was so big that you, it, it curved because of the curvature of the earth. That's how big the, like the roof, you yeah. couldn't see the end. And on one side, there was a runway for planes to come in and unload, and the other side, you know, for planes to, to, to take off. That's how big this fucker was. And it closed. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, everybody in that town was employed at this place, and this fucker closed, and this thing was, I don't know how big that thing is, you know? But it's like, this happened all over the country. Yeah. You know, and, and it happened a lot in the... Um, recession of 2008 but this has been going back to the 70s or even like you know the dust bowl and the depression but it's just such horrifying when you have a, a town that's for decades have been living around whatever institution that's keeping it up and then either the mine goes you know the, the you know whatever well i mean yeah there's a lot i mean look there's a lot of i mean it's a very scary human plight you know and so there's a lot of great narrative in general I mean, even if you look, I mean, uh, you know, I hate to make other weird parallels to like horror movies, but like really that's what like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about. What, the the Slaughterhouse turned into automation? Yeah, that was like the automation of Slaughterhouse. Put put Leatherface and his crazy brother out of work. And that's what's making (laughs) them go crazy. You know, like it's, you know, people don't look at that movie that way, but this idea of like automation or factories closing and, and just like these whole towns that are, like you said, are employed by this one employer all of a sudden, like the entire town's out of, out of work. Um, and that doesn't literally happen here, but that's set against the backdrop where they're like, cause it's never resolved. No. And it's even to the point where it's and that affects. And it, that's a, that's like the first plot point in the movie is that, you know, they find out the, 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 the hockey team, uh, the Chiefs aren't doing very well. They're a losing team. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. And, uh, you know, everybody, you know, Paul Newman's character, who's the coach now, was kind of like, he's not over the hill, but, you know, his best days are behind him. And people are saying he's a great player, but still, it's like you're saying, they can't win. Yeah. And then they find out that the mill's closing in the town. And then the next thing they fa- find out is um, Struther Martin is going to be the, the the owner of the team is looking to sell or no, he's not the owner he's the manager yeah yeah you know and he wants no it's not that he's looking to sell he's looking for another job he's looking for another job because who plays a brilliant role and that's my that was the connection to dark knight of the scarecrow because struther martin was up oh, to yeah, play yeah, the yeah. charles during role but then died before yeah. so he could have been in the charles during role and he co-starred with um newman in like six different movies including this one most notoriously people know cool hand luke he's the one who says on the 
And what we got here is a failure to communicate, which they sampled on the Usual Illusion album. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but the idea is the that if if the if the mill closes, then the people aren't going to be able to afford to go to a hockey game. And which is true. Who's so going to want to fold? Yeah, they're going to they're going to sit home on, and watch television, or they'll go, you know, whatever. So nothing. All the commerce in the area, you know, you're not going to be able to make any kind of money. And then it's it's great at the beginning of the movie when they're playing that game. You look at the, and there's nobody in the stands. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the only people that are in the stands are like the relatives, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like you the know? wives and girlfriends yeah. have their own little and section. I, and I love the, the, um, Struther Martin. There's a scene where he's, <laughs> and I, I, you must, because you've seen it so many times, but he's cutting out articles. He, he must be compiling a scrapbook when they get into the newspaper. So he's cutting out of the newspaper a, a thing to put in this thing. Yeah. But if you look at what he's using, he's using a book. It's it's what they put the newspapers in at the library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he must have he he's rented <laughs> it from the library. He's cutting the stuff out to return it to the library. It's, it's just such a little. It's one of those little, little one of those little gems. Nuggets. Yeah. So, uh, but he plays a great role in this. So yeah, he starts looking for a job. He's trying to get out of there. Yeah. Right? Well, they find out that he's he finds out that he's looking for a job. So Newman has this plays Reggie Dunlop. Yeah. Uh, great. Great character, amazing character. You know, I mean, he's so to me. If they were to reboot this movie, I think you. It's to me, he's like very Michael Keaton. Like you can have like you could see Michael Keaton. You know what I mean? Reggie but he's Dunlop. like he's like a hustler. You know, it's kind of like um, what's his face? Uh, uh, what's his name? The commish. No pun intended. The hustler. The hustler. Yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. He's a hustler. He's hustling. Uh, what's his name? The commish. He did the shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, what is his name? Uh, Chickless. Chick- Michael Chickless. He played. Chicklets. He played Vic. I forget his name on, on the shield. But that was the whole series was about him hustling. Yeah. yeah. And like you know, he, how many you know pies he's going to be able to keep up in the air juggling? And this is like his Newman's character. Well, Newman has this great idea. And what's, what's interesting about the script is like he, the ideas never really revealed. I don't think he even knows. I think he's just, he's like, you know, only fools are sure. Wise men just keep on guessing. I think he's just, yeah. I mean, like he, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you're, that's a good question. Like it, to me, it, it's like, he never stops to me. He, he's such a man's man. He, to me, he'd like, you know, of course he may cry, but he just doesn't seem like he'll, He'll never break down. No. So he's always strong. He's even lying to himself. But he, but he knows that. I guess he, at, at, the, at the very least, he knows that the only salvation for the team is if they can start winning and and more so drawing a crowd. Yeah. And like that, if there was any chance for the team to actually survive, that that would be it. So he starts to. <laughs> he starts a rumor. Yeah, that that there's the, the old people in F- that live in he Florida that are from the Northeast. Uh, M. Emmett um, Walsh, who's the reporter, a r- real big local reporter, and he kind of lays to see that yeah, this retirement community in Florida is looking to, bar- to buy them and bring them down, and they've already built the rank because they have nothing else to do, so they want to watch in their golden years what they're missing from the Northeast. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, really? So then he puts the in the in the sports column, uh, M. Emmett, M. Emmett Walsh. And uh, then it gains this traction, and Newman's there to, like, you know. Yeah, so then he uses the heat for the he teammates. He doesn't tell the team. He let the team find out about it. And he's like, really? <laughs> he's there, too? You know, it's like, it's, but it's ingenious. Like this idea is, like, and then it becomes this part thing by the end of the game, by the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, that, okay, they're now a profitable team, so maybe they can actually get sold. He basically, he's trying to make this lie come true. Yeah. By... Firing his team up, making them win, and uh, and part of that not just winning, but part of that drawing 
you know, putting asses in seats, drawing a crowd and making the team a profitable team is starting this idea of that they should fight <laughs> more to make them brutal, to make it a brutal, that uh, becomes their thing. Uh, now, uh, you know, it's not his plan to bring in the Hanson brothers. Shoulder no. Martin ended up bringing in the Hanson brothers, but he sees this as an opportunity to kind of maximize the enthusiasm that these <laughs> young brothers have. And uh, and they're all really down on it. But then uh, Martin's like, no, you know, I, I they, they were recruited. They would look great. You know, so I don't know if he even saw him play them play. But when they get there, they're just a bunch of like, you know, uh, kids in a sense of mentality. Yeah, yeah. They and bring they, like their electric cars and their toys to, to on the road with them. To yeah. The so everyone's like partying in the hotel, like drinking beers or whatever. And then Newman goes across the hall and they're just I don't even know if they're even drinking. They're just sitting no, there. No, I don't think so. Yeah, they're just playing their... Uh, the, they're you know, just, because they were trying to get like a soda out of the machine. Yeah, and they, when they when he first picks them up at, a, at the uh, train yeah, station. Yeah. You know, so they're very... And he's like, oh my God, we're gonna... This is fucking great. <laughs> you know? Now, the fact that like this woman find... You know, she finds... She finds a story and her brother is basically his The life. writer, Dowd. Yeah, yeah, Nancy Dowd. And then manages to sell it to Universal... Yeah, so did she it's write the script amazing. first? Or? I think so. But this is back in the day when you were able to do all that. I mean, you know? it was like only four people were writing scripts. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, if, if, if this was 40 years ago, you and I would have huge <laughs> careers in Hollywood because you were able to do that. I mean, look at like how, you know, you can make a small film back then and you could go somewhere. So not you know? only does she manage to write this kind of brilliant script, and who knows if it was rewritten at some point, but I'm giving her credit. Where credit I think credit's yeah. due. And then she sells it to Universal. She Univ- gets it in front of a... Uh, and then Universal hires uh, George, Roy, George Hill. Roy Hill to direct it, who was Butch casting the Sundance Kid fame. He had done um, another uh, The Sting. Yeah, I think he's sting. on The Sting too. Uh, the Sting also, not The Sting too. <laughs> he might have done. The he might have done The Sting too with Jackie Gleason. But so and then so he's worked with Newman and them before. Yeah. Newman, who, who gets brought into this, uh, played hockey as a kid, like growing up in high school. He 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 grew up in a um, suburb of Cleveland, so he's. Cleveland, Ohio. He's familiar with the, this exact, you know, because he uh, stumbled upon acting very innocently where his father was like owned like I think a sporting goods store. And then like he had a chance of going home after college and staying and just taking over the family business. But he's like, I really like acting. So him and his wife packed the car. He went to move to Yale, New Haven, did a couple years. And then he went to the city and he got work in New York in the 50s. Yeah. But you know, he very easily could have been from one of these towns, or he he was from one of these towns like that. That this this is now, if he was the age he was in in Slapshot, he could yeah. have been still in this town doing the same thing and facing you know lack of jobs and stuff drying up and stuff like that. So, uh, and he comes in and he's able to do. And you think that he was born 1925, so he was 52 when he did this movie. You know, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, he's kind of jacked in the movie like everybody was back then. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's just it's a it's a fascinating. It's a fascinating movie, I think, if not even just like the narrative of it and the movie itself, but like looking at the movie from the outside. The fact that George Roy, George George Royale directed it is is kind of crazy. You got Paul Newman who was at at the time huge. and and even up until he died, like a huge star. I mean, he's coming off of uh I think Towering Inferno at this time, you know? That was 76 if I'm not mistaken, or maybe 74, but you know, it's like you know, you're doing that's you know that and to get a guy like to be like you know it's like i mean i'm sure there's an equivalent but it's like at that time i guess there were these like independent movies coming out you know that weren't 
you know, that were like kind of yeah. like 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 Walter Matthau and Bad News Bears, you know, like sure. these kind of. Well, this is, you know, you know, this is very much in kind of like the Bad News Bears. Because there's a lot of swearing and that with right. Buttermaker and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and all, you know, and drinking. It was, and, you know. the 70s was a, a fascinating time for mainstream art. Beautiful. I mean, a lot of the best music. And, you know, music, most of the, I was just thinking, for some reason, I was thinking about this recently. Like, if I had to pick, like, one decade of music that I would be allowed to listen, if I could only listen to one decade of music for the rest of my life, it would probably be the, I would probably choose the 70s. It encompasses a lot. I mean, you have everything in there from, like, you know, uh, classic rock and you have a good fair bit of jazz to like yeah, yeah. hardcore like, funk and, you have and a little bit of the resurgence of the blues and guys, disco but you also have like that singer songwriter era yeah so uh, soft rock yeah yeah but then even movie wise i mean you're talking about i mean everybody looks at the 70s as being a very dark yeah gritty we always gritty say. time for for film and even though this is a comedy it is still a very it's a very gritty movie yeah yeah um, I mean, the fact that a lot of it was shot on location, you know, you know, so it's, they're not really, yeah, they you know, shot in Johnstown, uh, Pennsylvania. And then a lot of the, yeah, they shot in Syracuse the, and then U- U- uh, Utica and then, uh, different cl- the Clinton, New York, a lot of the areas where these people would I remember we play when we used to play, we used to travel to, I don't know, there would be every once or twice a year. And this isn't even high school. This was like, you know, peewee hockey or whatever you would travel to like Worcester, Massachusetts or something like that for a game. And there was this old rink that was cold as balls. Yeah. You know, some rinks are not that cold when you play. I mean, yeah. it's full of ice, but some rinks you get in there and it's like, it's really like an ice box. I mean, yeah. you are, even though you're hustling, it is cold. We used to go to this old rink and that was always, that was the big allure of that rink was that some of Slapshot was shot. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm saying Worcester, but I don't even know if it was Worcester. But there was like we would trap, we would drive a long time to get to this game to then play this game, and it was. Uh, and I always remember it was like, oh, some Slapshot was shot here. Was but is it? Thing. And it's it's funny and and sadly ironic because um, the uh, the they. In the movie, they're playing in the North American Hockey League, which was a real league, and that's why the referees are wearing the red shirts because that was for the league. But this movie, like, it comes out in 77, but that the North American Hockey League dissolved then in 77 as well, you know? So it's like you were... Th- th- in real life... It was prophetic. Yeah, it's it's quite... Because she was writing it based on real stuff. Yeah, that this is what was actually ha- happening at that time, and I guess my point is nowadays, I mean, I know there's, like, farm clubs for everything, but... You know, I can't see in the age we live in where you can go on your phone and I can watch, again, what's happening. I can watch a, a game in Italy, a football, a soccer game. Is anybody going to want to get in their car and drive down and pay $5 to watch some guys beat themselves up uh, you know, on a Friday night on an ice rink? I don't know. Yeah, I don't you know, know. People do that or hang out at Walmart. You know, maybe they're going to go hang out at Walmart, you know? It's, that's why it's like, it's magical for me. You know, we talked about in the, um, uh, b- b- what's the Hulk Hogan we did? Oh, uh <laughs> we, we, we're, we're sobering up tonight, guys. So uh, no holds barred. No holds barred cast. That, like my father in the 70s used to hang out with a lot of the wrestlers at the time, like uh, Bruno San Martino and stuff, because it was all regional. Yeah. So you can just, so it's, um, it's just, to me, like wrestling in the 70s and early 80s is fascinating. Hockey uh, in Connecticut, High Lie was big, you know, which you don't really see outside of Florida, you know. So it's like all these weird sport, which I think have dissolved this era of, you know, this is like a time capsule in a, in a, 
and an idea of like even like you know people going to this event and doing this ceremonial thing and seeing this stuff and the yeah, allure yeah. of seeing blood on the ice and there's something very I don't know there's something I don't know if nostalgic is the word there's something very like homey and comforting and almost familiar in a weird way and maybe it's because I played hockey and I played in a lot of these old rinks or something um, but there's something about this movie that well, it sounds very personal to you yeah you know? I mean, but even like just, Beauty and the Beast is personal to me <laughs> Aladdin is personal with you <laughs> but even just like the idea of it and maybe it's just because I saw it at such a young age and I've kind of grown up in a way loving this movie um, it's just like that you know that Pennsylvania 70s late 70s Pennsylvania the 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 grittiness of the town snow on the ground and it was the, shot in the summertime as the, well which is hilarious well I think they shot the rink stuff in the summertime they might have shot the exteriors and, and that kind of stuff in the winter but they had to shoot the rink stuff when the season wasn't going so yeah. I think they shot the like all the inside the rink stuff during the summer um, there's just something very familiar about it all to me, and maybe it's just because like the mo- the movie itself is emblazoned in my mind. But even like uh, like Rut's Hut in Clifton, New Jersey, in hot Clifton, dog New place. Jersey, hot, yeah. hot dog, place. real famous. Uh, it's this famous hot dog place where they fry their hot dogs. They call them rippers because when they put them into the fryer, they the skin kind of rips, and you have different degrees of. of but ripper. there's like a drive-in aspect of the restaurant. Well, that was yeah. People used to go make out there and stuff. Facility, but attached to that is this old dive bar. Yeah, and it hasn't been updated in years. In like since like nineteen sixty. It looks like one of those places <laughs> where you walk in and you start a bar fight and people are gonna get thrown <laughs> through. You know what I mean? It's so outdated. But when, but when you go in there and you sit down and you eat, it's like oh, it's a bar and there's these old tables and these wooden chairs. You do kind of feel like this is this is the kind of bar that. Like, they, they would come to after, that. Yeah. That would be like they would come after the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it seems like a mill town. Yeah, type bar. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, I love, I love being like just the ambience of that. Um, yeah. It, there's something I you. I, that's one of the things you and I both connect with is like this, it's like salt of the earth. Like when Hero Boy, which was a hot, like a, a sandwich place that we used to go to. When we when they they at some point they redid the whole place no, probably of, like ninety nine or two thousand but, but when we started going there that place hadn't changed in decades yeah, it was the same and old. there was you know everything keeps getting renewed when the and in a way like they lose the charm they lose that secret that special something yeah that, that it had in the first that allure yeah there's it's like the good and the bad of like you can get a new place and you might need to do that in a business and update the look but then the sadness of it is you're losing the history that's encased in the building or whatever yeah, it is yeah. it you know just, it's that's what's always so sad to me when i see these beautiful buildings like that are a couple hundred years old or whatever getting knocked down in the city now that these eyesores are getting put up it's like you're losing all that history but i understand it's progress and people you know yeah, blah, yeah. blah blah but it's 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 torn i guess you got to have a certain amount of romanticism that you and i have yeah, for yeah. this kind of thing because there's some people who don't even care it's like fuck it you know you know it's, it's, <laughs> You know, they don't care, you know, like they wouldn't care that yeah. this is... Uh, but like to me, that's Slapshot. Yeah. Well, it's... A, it's you know, a, like Slapshot is Rut's Hut. Yeah. Slapshot is... Old hero, hero Boy. Is the old it's, Hero yeah, Boy. Yeah, you're right. It's it's chicks in, you know, in New Haven. You know, if they remade Slapshot, it wouldn't be Slapshot. You know, it's... It, you could use... Well, that's why I never saw the remake of uh, the other one. Um, 
uh, with uh, uh, Bad News Bears because it wasn't Bad News Bears to me, you know? Yeah. It's just, I, I mean, I, I'm sure it could be a fine movie, but it's like, I don't, I, I don't, you know? But the, it's like the town and the rinks, they're this, they're, they are characters in this movie. Yeah. In a way that I agree with you about Bad News Bears, but like the field yeah, yeah, not, yeah. It's not a character. No, it's part of the. But that's part you of know. the institution is yeah. the rink and going but, into but these people. Everything you know. that the bus. Yeah. The bar that they they're sitting around watching uh, soaps in soaps in. You know, it's like it's all, it's all they're all it's all characters. That, Everything's a character in this movie. That reminded me uh, the scene where they're all watching the soaps in a bar. Yeah. It, it that hits home again for me because there's a. Uh, an actor named Graham Beckel, who's, I think people may know him. He's in like, he's the tough guy in LA confidential who ends up getting killed okay. under the house. He's the bad guy in Jennifer eight. Spoiler alert. Uh, he's by Christopher young. Exactly. <laughs> uh, he's in crimson tide. He's in a lot of movies. Uh, and he's from Connecticut and I've met him a couple times cause I work with his brother and we talk about, I'm like, Oh, I'm from Connecticut too. And he's like, you know, he said to me once Connecticut's the only place you can go to a bar on a Sunday afternoon and walk in and everyone's watching PBS. And I'm like, you're right. It is. And, yeah, then, yeah. and that's how it's like, this is, these kind of places are like that, where you can walk into a bar, everyone's getting hammered, but everyone's quiet and they're watching the soap opera and the guy's like, a fucking slut. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like he's, it's like, it's, I, I, I've been in those, those yeah, places, yeah. those bars, those experiences. And I find it so funny that, you know, Newman comes in and he's not being, he's being respectful and he kind of gets into it really quick. He's watching too, you know, you know, it's like, it, there's, there's a, there's, I guess a sense of um, honesty there. Yeah, you know, in the in the entire movie with the characters. Well, everybody's you know? so good at it, like that. So that, we should further along the. So they get the Hanson brothers come along, and then the Hanson brothers they begrudgingly finally put them. You know, well, well there's one guy who doesn't want a, a character named Ned by Michael uh, uh, Akeen, Akeen maybe, Antkeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to play dirty. He's he's rebelliously. Well, there's one other it. player. I can't remember. Uh, it's a, a good cast of players in this. I yeah. mean, you have... Um, There's the one other player, the one that wears the helmet with the big mustache. I can't think of what his name is, the character or the actor's name. At the, oh, uh, Johnny, because Swoozy Kurtz, I think, is his, is his wife. Yeah. And he's he's also, like, he's not as... He's not as, like, outwardly protesting it, but you can tell, like, he's not on board. He's the one, he, he you know, he puts the ice pack on his head after they have that big fight yeah. like you could tell like he's more because he's all him and ned are always looking at each other when when uh you know when newman's really when reggie's really like laying on the bullshit to yeah. the thing and like firing everybody out they you know you see they look at each other like they know like they like yeah, roll their eyes at each other um but yeah the team itself is i mean it's amazing a lot of them were uh actual players but you have a uh a guy named Brad Sullivan who was uh, in the Untouchables. He was a friend of, I think, of uh, Hill because he's in The Sting and he's in a couple other movies people may know him, but he plays Mo in it. He's a real dirty guy. Yeah, yeah. He's fucking hilarious. And yeah, you, he's great because he's always... <laughs> well, that's the thing. Is like That's part of the brilliance of this movie is like how quickly, like how complete all of these characters are. Well-rounded. To have a team... Like a, this ensemble cast, where really it's not an ensemble cast. I mean, they're really all bit players. Yeah. But the fact that they all are so 
uh, distinguished, you know, uh, you know, exact, and you could tell them all from each other, and they all have their own character. That you're right; they're all like well-rounded and really like well, you know, formed. It goes to a point you made in an earlier cast where you're saying, under the right circumstances, anybody can give a good performance. And these people, a lot of them, weren't real actors, but they're giving a great performance. And you know, I don't know if that's a you know maybe a certain amount of takes or an honesty there or whatever. Well, Uh, my theory is. You could cast anybody. Anybody could be great if they're cast in the right role yeah. and they have the right director. Yeah, like you can get a good performance out of anybody. Yeah, it's the, it takes the talented actors to be able to give a great performance consistently, no matter the role, no matter the director. Yeah, and so you're right. I mean, there's so many the the Hanson the Hanson brothers. All three of them were just on. Ned Dowd's team. They yeah. were they were the John, Carlstons. They were Jones Jonestown Johnstown Jets. Yeah, they were players. The three the of team. them. The three of them were brothers. Well, the Carlston brothers, right? Well, they were two of them were brothers originally. On the team, there were three brothers. Yeah, and um, and uh, they were each they were going to play the parts. Carlson brothers, they were going to play the the Hanson brothers. Yeah. But like just before filming, or just as they were getting ready to start filming, Jack, one of the brothers, actually got a call from the Edmonton Oilers, a major league team. Yeah, like a like an NHL team, and got kind of traded or drafted or whatever. So he left for Edmonton, and then suddenly there was only two brothers. So they took another guy off the team who was going to play. Whose killer. last name was actually Hanson. He was going to play. He was going to play killer. Carlson in on in the thing, yeah, and, they and recast him as the third brother. So they made him the third brother. So those three guys were actually just Johnstown Jet hockey players. And they became the Hanson brothers. Then they cast uh, Jerry Hauser as Killer Carlson, who I love. Who goes into eighties? He's a huge voice actor. If you listen to his voice, he's in Flintstones. He's in Scooby Doo. He's in uh, Scooby Doo meets the Boo Brothers. He's in uh, GI Joe Transformers. So you know, you know him. The killer? Uh, yeah, the guy who put yeah, uh, yeah, Killer Jerry Carlson. He Jerry also Hauser. was... I don't know if it was on the... This is where we get like in the nitty-gritty of weird, you know, trivial nostalgia. You know, post-Brady's? Yes. There was that sitcom where Marsha and Jan moved in together? I know of it, but I never watched it. <laughs> I think Jan married him in the oh. show. And then if you watch like the reunion movies, like in the 90s, like the Bra- very Brady Christmas. Yeah, yes, yes. He plays Jan's husband. And that was, was, for me, it was always like, oh, it's the guy from Slapshot. <laughs> that very well could be. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he's a face. Even Ned. I'm not positive because it's been forever. And I should know because it's obviously having a big revival. But I want to say the guy that played Ned was in like Twin Peaks as the as the sheriff. Oh, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Otkin. We can't even say it right. But uh, uh, the majority of them, aside from those guys, and we, you know, uh, the owner or not even the owner, the, uh, Strother Martin, a lot of these guys, like we said, were original guys. So it was it wasn't. He was in. He, sorry. He was. Yeah, he was in. Twin Peaks. So some of the guys are in other shit. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of the other guys. I'm sorry. Continue. No, no, that's it. They, they were they were actually they just got hockey players. And that was the big thing is they wanted to get people who can play. I mean, they had Peter Strauss audition. He broke his leg during the audition, so he couldn't play. Nick Nolte was really trying to uh, 
get the Ned part, but then, you know, he had, he couldn't skate, so he needed to have time to skate, and they said, well, we can't do that. Uh, Ralph Malf, uh, what's his face, Don Most from Happy Days, he was trying to, uh, to, to, to also get audition for a role. Pacino for a minute, he was trying to, uh, to, to play the Paul Newman character, but then when, when uh, Roy Hill asked him if he, you know, he could ice skate, um, Pacino thought the question was facetious, and then, you know, he, 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 didn't do it and then now, he, apparently he's reg- he's he regrets he it. regrets doing the movie you know like not that he always it's it's still to this day apparently a part that he really wishes yeah to play. and also concerning that it's a part that you know newman talked about that it was his favorite part he had he had the most fun doing it and it was and it's still his favorite part his most, yeah it was the most fun movie and and it's it's one of his if not his favorite part they ever played and then also a lot of the that's like there's all this talk about Ogie Oglethorpe throughout the whole movie there's like this oh Ogie Oglethorpe. oh yeah oh, yeah well that's another big story too Ogie, Ogie Oglethorpe at the end of the movie the guy who plays Ogie is Ned the guy is the brother of dance of Nancy Dowd who wrote it you know so he's like the movie was kind of inspired by him and he ends up playing Ogie Oglethorpe but the real the Ogie Oglethorpe the real Ogie Oglethorpe was like Goldie yeah, it was a was a, or was a was a real nut, a real nut of a, he a, a was man. A crazy guy. He was such a crazy motherfucker. I'm going to tell you, his name was Bill Goldie Goldthorpe, and he was so infamous because his rookie season of professional hockey in 1973, he was a member of the Syracuse Blazers, and he amassed 25 major fighting penalties before Christmas. Yeah. So he was feared. He was a big goon. So Ogie Oglethorpe was kind of this legend of. They brought him out of jail. For yeah, this yeah really coming, you know, and they did a doc on a, a short called I Am Ogie, which will include a link on this cast of, of yeah. the real guy, Billy Goldie Goldthorpe. But that's the funny at the end of the movie. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But by that point, you're you're kind of like along for the ride where they're like, you know, coming back and they bring all these people back. You have what's his face? The Dr. Hook. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's and they're like, oh, no. And, you know, <laughs> Everyone else like, oh, he's back from you yeah, know. They have like the the Native American guy. Yeah, he's back from retirement. You know, it's, you know all these people. And um, I now see the gentleman who played um, the what's Doctor Hook? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he, yeah, Doc, Tim Doctor Hook McCrack. I heard that his his uh, I see. This is when we talk about. It, we don't know how much stuff is true. His stuff is on the internet, and a lot of times we figure it is. But <laughs> we just yeah, assume we, it's just, we just it's on there. So, but they say that his look was the inspiration for Wolverine to a certain extent, which I could see, but I don't know really if huh. Kirby and them were like, you know, that guy in that movie is, <laughs> hey, you know, looking pretty good. Shot? But this caused a, a, a kind of a controversy for 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 when it came out because it was so like uh, raunchy that people were, and then also hockey, a lot of hockey players are pissed because. They, they were really conflicted coming out of the theater. People, there was a lot of conversations be, between real, you know, either like NHL stars down to like the people who actually play this for a living, that this isn't how it is, it is how it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then later on now, everyone looks at it saying like, this is the beauty that it is. But at the time, you know, it's almost like cruising, you know. It's like people are like, you know, is this <laughs> how it really is there or is it, you know, or, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the, the can, you I know, mean, it's certainly obviously the, like a heightened reality. Yeah, it's a parody almost. I mean, it's based on reality, but it's kind of a... It is a bit of a parody. I mean, it's a comedy. This, I mean, this, like you said, uh, Struther Martin. Martin is great in it. The guy who plays the, uh, like the announcer. Oh, he's great too. Yeah, he's so great. Um, you know when he's he's like announcing, and it's just it's it's so classic. But for instance, you know things that are kind of funny little jokes that maybe we 
don't get now, and maybe audiences didn't even get then, but he says, like, when he's talking about Ned Braden, he's like, he's a college graduate and an American. Yeah. You know, he, he announces that. he's not that. Canadian, and he, and he um, went to college. Yeah, it was like, the joke is that back then, especially, like, that was actually really rare. Well, to, they and they mentioned that at some point, like, you know, what are they going to do? What, what can they do if they're not going to play anymore? They're going to have to go try to get a job at the mill or whatever, yeah, because... Yeah. That would be a way out for some people out of high school. If they flunked out of high school, if they were good at sports, they can maybe play on a team like this. Well, they're, it's a, they're envious of Ned because he has like a college degree. And he, he decided go. to come back and freaking, you know, do this. Now, um, in the midst of all this story about the factory's going to close, the team's going to get folded, uh, Newman is trying to put asses in seats trying to get uh, make the team profitable so that in hopes at some point he might be able to save the team because he knows that this is the end of the road for him kind of he's too old to be traded to another team or yeah. anything like that in the midst of all this great story there's these other things that are great about this movie in terms of story and it, these it's these kinds of things that I feel like are getting lost in time where it's, you have the relationship between Newman and his ex-wife, which is really sad, because really sad because <laughs> it's he really sad. You could tell he really <laughs> loves her, and he really wants to. You know, he I really w- w- wishes he didn't fuck things up. Yeah, and he and you could tell that it, it's all been a game to him. But when she's serious about it, he really he wants to make it work. And not a spoil spoiler alert, but at the end of the movie, what do you think? I mean, I don't. I personally don't think he. I think she's done. Oh she yeah, leaves. she's she's going. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, I don't think she's gonna. You know, he's he's still like, oh, she'll meet me. Oh or yeah, whatever. call me. You know, yeah. if you need to get in touch with me. I think the sad thing is he's still waiting for. Like, oh, yeah, she, you know, he totally. You know, well, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Like these th- weird, not weird, but these little great subplots that are happening. Strother Martin being dressed up as a woman <laughs> <laughs> and all that stuff. It's um, so funny, but like Ned, even Ned, Ned Braden and his wife. Um, there's the, that whole aspect. Of oh, she's it. like she's drinking and she's not happy, and and, and you know she's you know, stuck she's played, in this town. She's played by Lindsay Krauss, who uh, shortly after this married David Mamet. Mm. And that's like her big claim to fame is that she's David Mamet's wife. Um, but even that's like this. Uh, Something about watching it this time, because I actually haven't watched this movie in a really long time, um, and certainly haven't watched it through these, you know, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover Glasses, where we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, well, it's almost... She's such a great character, and the the story, the, the relationship of Newman's character with her is also so great. Well, he's so nice to her. Like, you know he's he could probably get with her if he wants to, but he's he's being the man, you yeah. know, he's being I mean, real he's loving. Like this, and he's, you know, the young girl, you know, he's like kid. Yeah, you know, you could tell there's a diff, there's a dis, and he even says that to his wife. He's like, come on. You know, he's like, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, he but he very easily could. If it was Mo instead, you know, Mo would be like, I was tongue in her asshole. <laughs> you know, it'd you know, so, you know, be something hellaciously dirty. But yeah, you could yeah. tell, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of, like like a, I think a, a decorum there. There's that. I mean, I think he feels a little. He's feeling a little fatherly. I think, and I think he's also seeing Ned fucking it up the way he did. Yeah, and wanting to finding getting some kind of vindication. You know, some kind of uh, you know making it up, making up his own 
failure. Like atonement. He's trying yeah, to he's atone trying to for, atone his, for his, his sins. Own by saving that By saying their marriage. Yeah, because you could tell she's not happy. There's, it's almost like um, Lorraine Bronco with the situation Goodfellas where she feels like she can't fit in, she says in the voiceover. Yeah, yeah. But she does in the movie anyway. But like in this movie, you could tell she's trying she's to... She's hanging out with the other yeah wives and, and they're so clearly, fake yeah, and they're and she's the, clearly not happy yeah, not the, one of them at all yeah and they they're they're a clique that she can't really she, i think it appalls her to feel like she's going to have the rest of her life doing this or whatever she's Just, a little bit of a tomboy yeah in comparison um and they're really girly girls and talking about lipstick and makeup and fingernail polish and stuff and you know and, oh this is my first and this so is my first she's year. like finally i left him and and newman's trying to take a nap <laughs> yeah and she comes in and he's just she's just gonna like move in with him uh because he convinced her to leave and, and he's like great <laughs> and he just lays back down with, it's just it's just a lot of these little all these little things going on well we had another aspect of this where when this movie first came out we've talked this about this in other podcasts when it went to i maybe to tv but when it went to video and then other formats it lost all the original uh music because of copyright issues you know all the diegetic music that was being yeah, played yeah. and the non-diegetic music maybe at points being played in the background but then with the 25th anniversary that came out in 2001 or two of this movie uh they restored all the original music because because there's another thing that that hit me watching on this uh viewing is like it's got a really good soundtrack yeah yeah it does. it's a fucking awesome soundtrack and if this is the original stuff from you know that's pretty fucking awesome yeah yeah you know and then i love like you're saying the little bits here where like you know they have the anthem and everybody's, you know, like, uh, like you have the one part with the anthem, the joke where, like, you know, he wants to go and yell at the Hanson brothers. I'm listening to the yeah, I'm looking, you know, and it doesn't. If you look at it, uh, if you look at it on the other release, it's not the anthem; it's some other song. Huh. You know, so it's really weird. I don't know why they would cut the anthem out, but then I love the next part where they an- they're playing the anthem so quick because they want to get the fucking <laughs> thing started. You know what I mean? It's like you know, it's like all these little jokes are hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They're all going through the motions of like the ritual. This is what we're supposed to do, but we don't really care. Well, that's after they end up fighting during the warm up. Yeah, yeah. They all they all throw down. You know, so, so so we get to the anthem and they're all lined up on the on the blue lines. You know, for the Bleeding. anthem, and they're all <laughs> beat up, and hands and glasses are broken. It's so classic. Yeah. This movie is so classic. Uh, and then the you know the Hanson go on to do charity work in real life, which is really awesome. And then they were uh, offered a sequel to do their own movie, but they had all went no. They said no because they declined to go play. They wanted to continue playing professional hockey. Yeah, they you played know? in. Um, I remember when I was in high school, junior high. One of them. I don't know if he was the coach. At some point, like the the area, the capital district, New York's capital district, uh, like a minor league team became the River Rats, the Albany River Rats. But before that, it was like the, it was like the Albany Islanders or something like that. It was like a, you know, it was like a farm team for the Islanders. Yeah. And he was he was coached or something. He did something there. He managed it or coached it. One of the Hanson brothers did. I think the one that um, wasn't actually the brother, the Carlson, oh the actual Hanson, the actual yeah. Hanson, yeah. Because uh, my buddy Seth, who I actually taught uh, hockey with, he was a security guard at the rink or something, and he knew him. And he and in his office, he my Seth said he had an autographed copy of the script that Newman had autographed for him. That's awesome. Was like you know, like all. Yeah, like on display. Well, that's another thing too with these guys. Since a lot of them weren't actors, a lot of this wasn't scripted. So a lot of these scenes they were just improv. So they got the right, 
you know, whatever they wanted, which is kind of a feat because that could be really good or really bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's your that's a real gamble with the with the movie. But even like the even like the French goalie owns owns make me sick. Yeah, it, all that stuff's <laughs> funny. Or and then he's always uh, he's he's uh, well, it translating. That, it opens with that interview where the guy's like asking him about you know the rules of the game, and he's like slashing and. It's just like it's such like a perfect little opening. Yeah, with the mic and he has to take the mic off and he's you know, it's the like mic we're back watching the, the 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 Charlestown uh, like n- local news. So yeah, we're watching the sports. We're watching the actual right. broadcast. Yeah, when he's, and he's like, "Yeah, the puck come down. I raised my hand. <laughs> Game stop. Start again." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so it's so. Uh, so many fond memories of this movie as we're talking about it and yeah. as we watched it. And then the, where they shot this Johnstown, Pennsylvania, they had a uh, a big flood, and that's what the the, the dog. The, yeah, they have the they have the monument to the dog, the flood thing, and then there's it's only flooded three times ever in its history: one in like the 1800s, one in the 30s, and then in 1977 when this movie came out. So they had the delay there, the the. Uh, the what are they real life not the chiefs they're the uh jets. the jets had to delay their season opener because of the, this big flood that this town had again uh which is kind of in the weeds but anyway so and then the other big thing in the movie is that no one knows who owns the team yeah so you know that's that's what paul newman's trying to get out of struther martin like who owns the team because he wants to go try to petition the girl to, or the person to find out who it is then when he finally tracks down who it is it's this woman who like you know, inherited the team from her She's a widow. Yeah, and her her husband, whoever he was, and she's got this nice house, kids, and she's like, you know, and that's the funny thing about it too. It's it's the sad fact of our life with consumerism, whatever. That she's like, she'd rather take the right off and let the team go up, evaporate. It would be better for accounting. Yeah, like that's the irony. She's like, you know, I probably could sell the team, but yeah, it's easy. Like, I thank for, you for like, this. Is the first time that like first year this 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 investment has been profitable yeah but <laughs> like my accountant thanks you yeah but she's like i'd rather take the the the, the uh tax right the tax right off for it imploding and that's becomes like almost the thing for newman at the end when he runs in there and gives this big speech and all that that's hilarious where you have like newman coming in there and like he's trying to talk about nobody cares and when the hansons get in he starts talking they're all yeah dude, go and they're all like looking at him like what the fuck and then and then he's kind of and then he knows he could play to them and he starts playing to them and then like the, then you have Strother Martin come in and he's you. He's like yelling, like you know, you are terrible. Whatever, I forget what the line he says. He's just, you know, that's hilarious. And so there's so many great uh, parts in this movie, and it's funny that you know you take like, you know, uh, people love Butch, Butch Cass and the Sundance Kid, but like for me, I think like raindrops keep falling on my head. It's really oddly placed. Yeah, that's yeah. that era of where they put just folk songs and everything, you know, yeah, no matter yeah, what time. Yeah. And luckily, this movie doesn't suffer from that, you know. And then so you, you like you know. Um, George Roy Hill did a great job with this movie. I mean, the Sting is great. I'm not saying anything else. Well, even though even the way the games and stuff are filmed, yeah, it's it's yeah, a lot like of those that low angles, yeah, where it's it's like, along it's, the ice, it's almost dolly shots and stuff. You know, that's kind of the way. I mean, I'm sure there are hockey movies before this, but I mean, that's the way hockey looks in movies. I mean, it's it's like certain language, cinematic language of how you shoot a game, how do you shoot a hockey game? And, and it's definitely whether he invented it or he's just, uh, you know, just doing it. And it's an existing language already. It's really done kind of to perfection. It's, um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful movie to look at in that gritty seventies style. Like it's almost, uh, 
attraction repulsion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's so gritty that it's and 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 almost ugly that it's beautiful. I mean, even I just remember, you know, after uh you know, Newman Newman gets uh gets Dave Carlson, who becomes killer, gets him all riled up because he's clearly like just like the nicest guy on the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, he's that. But he keeps on, you know, he, he's, you know, that he's feeling old, and he kind of really plays this feel plays the victim to get him riled up so that we can get the start getting the fighting happening. And I just remember it's like even on that first viewing when he's sitting on the bench and the guy's trying to sew, he's like, stop moving, you're going to make me miss or whatever. And he, he's stitching up his lip. And he goes out on the ice. And thinking how, like, how, you know, even now when you look at it, it's pretty gruesome. You know, it's pretty, like, it's pretty raw. The, well, the yeah. Way it looks. And then he runs out with, like, the thread sticking yeah, out of his Yeah, he starts mouth, beating up again. But that's the, that's the irony with this movie is that's, you know, for the time and stuff, like, the excessive violence that this was... Yeah, I mean, it all. It also is making it. I don't know if it's making a judgment, but it's kind of highlighting in our culture that that's what we respond to. People, the more violence, it's going to put the ass in the seat. Well, so by the time you know, it you was, know, this was the time. Well, that's on. You know, they can. You were saying that a lot of hockey players were like, "That's not what it's like." But in a lot of ways, like that is kind of like what it was. Yeah, like. back then it was. It was very much a different hockey kind of time. Was a brutal sport. I mean, like I said, the the Flyers built a whole reputation about it throughout the seventies, so like seventy two to seventy nine. Yeah, with the Broad Street Bully, like uh, you know, nicknames, and um, it was it was a tough fight driven sport and I don't like we said earlier like I don't know how it started or where it's a, which weird that, that became allowed because you can't do that in any other sport any yeah, other yeah. professional sport yeah it's interesting <laughs> how you get away with stuff like that and how seven, the 70s kind of cultivated that you know like you know Yankees had a good team say but like you know but it, hockey was never as big of a sport as any of the other professional sports and it very well could have just come out of that sheer like necessity like we need that we need a gimmick it might only exist because of that yeah because even to this day hockey is not you know it's it'll it has never been and never will be as profitable or as big of a sport as the other you know professional no, sports here in America but I'll also say it, it and especially for the local market it's not it, I don't think it'll ever be as big as like when I remember growing up like you know we had like the New Haven Nighthawks the Hartford Whalers I mean those are big teams yeah, yeah. to me the, there was little differential to them to like the Steelers or the Bruins you know the yeah, Flyers yeah. I mean you know you know, or, or the Rangers so it's like now I, I wonder if that market is completely eradicated like a lot of time even with the with the like the farm club baseball teams you know I don't know how you know, people go out, you know, I mean, for me, I know like college football is huge. College basketball is huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, women's basketball, college basketball is huge. But is, is you know, college hockey, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm not I in mean, it. That's clearly, why I don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, clearly there is a fan base for it. Yeah. But it's never been as big. Uh, and it very well could be the, the same exact reason why Newman, like, you know. The reasoning in this is that is, it was being eradicated. You know, it you kind know, of, it was so tied to the, to the, to the economy of whatever town it was in that it kind of you know with with the update of society whatever it kind of yeah. uh, made so it, it obsolete been finally like the nhl or, or any of these leagues finally pro- maybe went to the refs like you know what if they're gonna fight let them fight for a yeah, while yeah. <laughs> i mean even like, we even said now that that one hockey league dissolved you know that year that they um that this came out the uh the national the american hockey league um the the, the north american hockey league they dissolved the year this came out yeah, so yeah. they were Really, like you said before, they were really facing dire consequences. Yeah. Life was being mirrored accurately, accurately, and I wonder, you know, if it's 
a certain amount of success in this movie is how awesome of an actor Newman is where he just makes it look effortless in this role because it doesn't look like he's doing anything in this movie but he's doing quite a lot he's sustaining the movie he's being able to you like him he's not a dick he is a hustler no pun intended he's carrying the movie on his shoulders much like the character is in the film but he's able to do it like you know effortlessly which is hilarious and he's able to keep it all and he's doing it in style and he's doing oh Jesus those (laughs) those I I you heard me once or twice. I was like, Jesus, those leisure suits. Those he had like he in one scene he has that leather leisure suit. And what I love about it too is when he gets to his apartment, which in the apartment in real life was actually um the the uh Newman's was was one of the Jeff Bruce uh Barreau, uh played for the Johnstown Jets. They just used uh his apartment to have Newman be in. But I love when he gets to the apartment, he takes off his Cuban heels and he like goes down a foot like because when he was walking, I was like, he's walking like he's you know, he looks like he's on heels and you forget Back in the day, you know, when you were leisure suits and all those kind of, you know, when you were, were in polyester and velvet and all that kind of thing, you know, men would wear high-heeled kind of shoes, like like Cuban heels or, to a certain extent. So I love when he takes the shoes off, he drops yeah, like yeah. a foot. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. I Yeah, I mean, Newman's fashion. It's I amazing. mean, plaid pants. <laughs> Trendsetter. <laughs> it's almost like... <laughs> You're talking about. I was talking about the exterior. You know what? Stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if that was his own wardrobe. It very well could have because he's. Remember in the Towering Inferno, he's flashing some awesome stuff in yeah, that too. Yeah. That was the, how cool that was looking back then. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's like I said. You know about the rank of the town and everything, kind of being a character. It's like almost like Newman's clothes are a character yeah. in this movie too. I love. Uh, it's f- classic. I mean, when I think it's funny when I like I think back on the movie, like if I'm just gonna. It's like, oh, yeah, slap shot, and you get, like, an image. To me, it's not It's not of, like, the hockey, my, the immediate image that comes in my mind. Um, you know, when we, we, we did, when we talk about horror and when we were talking about like, The Mummy, we were talking about, like, when you say Frankenstein, you think of Boris Karloff. Yeah. When you say slap shot to me, the first image that comes to mind is, like, him, cha- like, walking after... Ned Braden's wife in the park where he's got like the leather like the like the I forget what outfit if it's the plaid pants or the leather outfit. So I think it's the leather leisure shoot where yeah, he's like, like the, and he's like, walking on the heels like, like that, it looks like Eddie Izzard. It's like that light brown. Yeah. Leather. It's like that like walking through the walking through like the park where she's like what's the deal with the dog? Like for some reason that's the image that comes to me. It's him in that 70s clothes not yeah, him in uniform. Yeah. Um, so many uh you know, great things about this movie in terms of, uh, you know, we talk about all the characters and stuff, and we got a young Swoozy Kurtz, yeah. which, you know, we talk about buckets of pizza, and the guys that I was friends with when the term buckets of pizza was invented, for some reason, Swoozy Kurtz was a big, like, Swoozy Kurtz. It was like a call and answer. <laughs> Swoozy Kurtz. Kurtz. Swoozy Kurtz. Uh, but this is one of the earliest things I think I've ever... I can remember her being, like seeing her in something. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, Saturday Night Movie Sleepover alum. Yeah. Melinda Dillon. We love Melinda Dillon. Who uh, plays the mother in Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. Which we covered uh, on this podcast quite a while ago. Maybe two years ago now. And even in that, we talk about how she was probably mentioned that she was in this, but we talk about how she was. She's also the mother in a Christmas Story. Yeah, Ralphie's mom. And in the, in this movie, she has one scene, 
and she's topless throughout the entire scene. Yeah, with Newman in bed. They're just, they're just all hanging out there. And it's she's like, wow. Got, she has a very nice rack. I'll yeah, yeah. She, she has her, her refueling uh, posts are very nice. Her refueling stations. And she's... Uh, she, it's a, again, it's one of those like weird things about you know that are well, every I think we get lost it's like a quirky little scene but every every character so well-rounded you think even that this one scene which is its only real purpose is to fuel a fight in like the next scene yeah but it's it but even for though script logic yeah even though like even though that's the only real reason to have this scene like this scene wouldn't wouldn't exist Today, yeah. Now with all like the, you know, all the uh, I was going to say feed the kitty. What's the save the cat? <laughs> save the cat. Yeah, yeah. Like all this, like where we read about what structure is. Yes, yeah, a it, script structure of what you should have be doing by a certain point of a page, so that it it, it equals a narrative arc yeah. in a movie. Now that we're all reading these same script books and writing the yeah. same, you know, that's why like, the theory behind so it many all. things are. So many things are alike now because it's we're all equation. following these these same structures. But you know, back in the seventies, like that scene wouldn't exist in a script today. But back then, to just have this scene, this kind of weirdly innocent scene where he's sleeping with another player from an opposite team's wife, and she reveals to him that she's a lesbian now. Yeah, and that just he uses that as fuel to the fire in the next scene to just yeah. But it's just this quirky little. But in a way, like. It's like a beautiful scene. Yeah. You know, she's, you know, and he's not judgmental. He's like, you know what? I kind of, I get it. Yeah. You know, he's like, I'm around dicks and all, all day in the locker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like I get it. Like, like a woman's body's beautiful. And that's uh, the, and I guess that's more of a testament to like his character. Like he's, he's a good guy. He's yeah. not, he's not a dick. He's you know? not judgmental. He's made his mistakes. And so he can't really judge anybody else i feel like that's really kind of a mentality that reggie donlop has like i you know like i've done it all like who i can't judge anybody and i wonder if this then ends up becoming the, the biggest tragedy because at the end of it he doesn't end up you know is that going to be his the broken heart he won't end up with the girl yeah you know what i mean the wife certainly the way it appears yeah she leaves the town and he's stuck in that one that one town you know yeah well, I'm like, she's dating people in the town i mean they're separated but yeah it is like she's moving the, out she was moving to someplace else he's, like, he's moving to long island or something yeah. because the town's washed up because yeah. she's not she's a she's a beautician she has a beauty parlor but she can't yeah get how are you gonna get work, work in, in a town like that they can't yeah, so they won't be able to afford a friend it of hers and that lives on long island has like an empty seat at the place that she works so she's gonna go move there um so th- they find out he finds out that he can't that the team's not gonna get sold and uh, he goes to the team, and he has to reveal that look, look, guys, I've been lying the whole time. Yeah, you know, it, which is a, another. It's like a tough scene. I mean, he's uh, there's his guys. He's really was doing it for the betterment of the team. But at the end of the day, he's lying to his guys, and he reveals it and he says, "Look, but you know, this is going to be my last game, and if we're, we're, we're going to go out like that's not go out with this goon stuff. Let's yeah, go we're going to play t- it all time hockey. Yeah, you know, Bobby Orr and." Uh, and he gets them all riled up, and they go out there, and they play about five minutes of <laughs> of old time <laughs> of old time hockey, and then and that's hilarious. It's another joke. They realize, fuck it. They they throw it, you know they they throw it down, and they end up, uh, you know, the, the other team ends up uh, the referee ends up calling it. 
it, be, it becomes the and that's the team when they play against the Syracuse Bulls, right? What's the what's the name of the the, the they play the Syracuse Bulldogs, and that's the one when they have everybody like you know, uh, Ogle Oglethorpe comes out and all the other people, the Indian Native American and the. Uh, What's his face? The uh, oh yeah, yeah. The hook, Doctor Hook, and he like kind of comes out with <laughs> the, like the with all dream the dream team of, of yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he comes out and he plays. He, he shows all that like uh, like hockey uh, stick work and stuff like that. And then they yeah they start playing and they they get, start getting their asses handed to them. And then they realize they have to start playing the dirty way. And people love it. And then it's just it's amazing, you know. And then they end up having this. Uh, well, they end up winning because. Uh, there's then uh, Ned, uh, the the guy in the team who wouldn't play dirty, it kind of clicks with him. And there's well, he looks up and he sees. Well, there's the whole scene where she gets Newman brings Ned's wife to his to his ex-wife to petition. get made up at the at the you know to get a makeover. Yeah, and then she brings him. She brings her to the hockey game, and then it's that's kind of sad. She's like, oh, I forgot how this used to yeah, be. Yeah, like I haven't been here. This hasn't. This yeah. place hasn't. So you think they have like. Like I'm still gone. Newman's kick. You still think they have a chance together, you know? And then he brings them, and then yeah, he looks up and makes eye contact with the two of them. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh my god, and that's Ned my won't wife. fight." So he's just sitting on the bench. Yeah. And then he just like takes a look out at the crowd to see what's doing, and he sees his wife who had left him. Yeah. You know, or you know, not too much earlier in the movie, but uh, they had a fight, and uh, she's redone. So he decides that he's going to get her attention. Yeah. And so he does a striptease act uh, <laughs> in the yeah. middle of all this fighting. You know, which and stops everybody, and they all start watching and stuff. And then, and then that's the irony is that they think the other guys on the team are so disgusted that he's taking his clothes off. He's like, "You gotta stop this rap. This is ridiculous." <laughs> you know, because they're beating the shit out. Of, that's that's yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. another one of the ironies is they're they're beating the shit out of each other, blood everywhere. But then he's disgusted that this guy's taking his clothes off, and he's like, "You gotta, this is this is yeah, not yeah. you, you know, gotta put an end to this." Yeah, this is ridiculous. This is you know poppycock. <laughs> and then you know, and then he says no, and then he throws him out of the game, and they win by a technicality, but they still win. But they win, so yeah. they end up like kind of like winning. In a way, it's kind of like this, like they're redeemed. like a reverse weird like bad news bears thing, you know, yeah. where like they win by technicality but they win and you know it's kind of a false win in a weird way but it's who cares they win and so we end on like the this parade (laughs) you know of celebration that the charlestown chiefs won and uh because of the win and all the you know attention that the team's getting some of the other players are getting to move on and and uh reggie dunlop ends up getting a job as like a coach or manager or something in another team you know, else in like Cleveland or someplace yeah, else, yeah. and that's and the scene when he, he runs off the float, gets his sees his wife. He's like, "Hey, his wife's me. trying to leave Charleston while this is happening." The parade. So he, he's like, you know, she's driving to Long Island, and he's like, "Hey, meet me in the next town. I'll give you." And she's, like, "Here's my number. You know, call me." And yeah, yeah. I don't think it's gonna happen. But they they have this parade, and it's very much like the old days. You'd have a local parade, and it's and it's another one of those for me a, a hilar- hilarity where they're going down the road in the background. You have this movie theater, and it's. You know, it's one of those like old. Deep throat well, it's one of these old. Yeah, it's one of these old picture houses that probably can't sustain anymore. So, what what does it have playing there? It's Deep Throat and Meatballs, and uh, those are both X-rated films. Everyone knows Deep Throat, but I know Meatballs, both Harry Reams films. Who is a callback to our Grease podcast? Mm-hmm. If you don't know why, go listen to our Grease podcast. You'll know how Harry Reams is connected to Grease. But Harry Reams and, and uh, a friend of mine who I'm going to leave nameless that was a good friend of Martin and I. He uh, went over his grandparents' house, and he found his grandfather had a stash of uh, X-rated movies, uh, 
down in the in the finished basement and behind uh-huh. the bar <laughs> which we talked about before yeah. you know he had this great finished basement with this you know the bar looked right out of the shining with the red like leather you know the leather yeah, padding yeah. and he, he found a bunch of porn so he grabbed the tape that we all had and that was the tape that the legendary uh for you and i taboo trailer was on oh i see yeah. and the first there was three movies on the tape and the first movie on the tape was meatballs and it's meatballs with Harry Ream, and it's a ridiculous plot where a scientist is making these meatballs to make an erection. And then it's like, <laughs> how do you get rid of the erection? It's sex. So that's the plot of the movie. But um, it's hilarious that you see that in the background. So it's a wholesome parade. It's the last yeah, joke yeah. of the movie. That the kids are at a parade, and in the background, they're passing a marquee that has Deep Throat <laughs> and Linda Lovelace. You know what I mean? It's like, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, but I love the ending. You know, you know? Again, there's something very, very comforting soothing nostalgic this like parade in this small town yeah it's because um, we've all kind of for the people who grew up in you know yeah. suburbs or small you have that you all have that kind of a memory and it, and you're right it is kind of like this tragic ending i mean like newman's got a new lease on life in a way i mean he's yeah. moving on to hopefully better things and it's the only <laughs> only positive thing that could have happened in the movie yeah. to the character and his wife is also kind of moving on to more uh, to more positive or better things at the same time, but they're going their separate ways. And but it's almost they're leave. They're both leaving. If we're going to get analytical and all film theory about it, it's like they're bra- They're they're. It's like they've transcended and they're breaking the the restrictions that have like the place has kind of kept them everybody in this yeah you know routine of you know unhappiness. They're married, but they don't, they're just going through the motions, whatever. And now they're both breaking. She's going to do something else. He's going on to do another, but. It's not going to be for the better, sadly. And maybe well, for the relationship. Yeah, and who knows if Newman really... I don't know if Newman knows that. Like, I don't he think gonna, he does. You know what I mean? Is he going to come to a reality that, you know, it's going to become a sad story where he's going to go to another town, you know, some other, you know, uh, town that has the changing of the seasons that's going to have a f- dark fall and a dark winter and he's going to be alone there. It's going to turn into a Frank Sinatra I mean, Really, LP. I mean, if Scorsese was going to make a sequel to a Paul Newman movie, he really should have made Slapshot. Yeah, too. not Color of Freaking Money. <laughs> He should have made a, a sequel to Slapshot. I would have actually really liked to see the Martin Scorsese version of Slapshot. What happened to Reggie like after? Yeah, and it's Tom Cruise, and, and like a, he's in a he's, <laughs> he's like, like in the a new mill player town. in the mill town. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like a version of that. What's the ice movie? Reggie comes back to to Charlestown. What's what's the ice movie with the girl and the guy, DB Sweeney? Oh, uh, that one. Yeah, cutting edge. Yeah, it's like that, but except Scorsese directed it. Warner Kelly and yeah. DB Sweeney. Uh, so th- when the, the movie ends up, it's, it comes out and like, you know, again, we, we say that for 70, 1977 standards that they considered the, the movie so foul with the cussing and all that, that advertisements had to, on the bottom contained wording that's, that said, you know, uh, certain language may be too strong for children. They had to actually put that in wording for in the R rating. Well, I mean, Newman even blames, he yeah. said before Slapshot, he wasn't really even like a, a cusser. Yeah, he didn't cuss, and he talks about a lot of characters have, you, you have a hangover from a character where, like, a character, you know, you, you keep some of the character's uh, attributes, and he's saying, since Slapshot, he says, quote, my language has been right out, out of the locker room because he, he never, you know, it's like a sentence enhancer. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, which is hilarious. And, I mean, this movie, it, it, you know, this is one of the only movies that, you know, since uh, hockey's so big in Canada, they actually, it's one of the few mainstream American films that they translated into the uh, colloquial Quebecian French and not standard French. So there's like heavy French Canadian language and foul language that, that, that they added their own little, you know, yeah, well, c- the guys, the two French players in the, 
movie. Like the goalie, and there's this other French yeah, they, player they, that, they, does, they, that doesn't speak English. any yeah, English. The goalie's always saying everything to him. Uh, those two guys actually dubbed their voices in the fr- in this in, in this fr- in the this French version in this in this about. notorious version. And then you know nowadays when you look at it, like for for it's a staple for the NHL or for for hockey fans. And like you said, like it's a it's almost like a you know a, it, it, the brawl. You know, it, it 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 shows how that era used to be for hockey and all that kind yeah. of thing. You know, I uh, do have to give a shout out to. The poster. The poster is great. It's one of my favorite posters of all time. And when we met, I had that image on a black T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> or you don't have I'd, that anymore? Maybe. I, I don't fit it in it anymore. Oh. I'd love to make like a pillowcase out of it. My something. mom did that with a lot of mine. But uh, per, like such a great like uh, image. I mean, people Google it if you don't know it. Um, or go to our site because we have it up I mean, on we'll the... Have it on the po- we'll have the poster up on our site. Uh, but our, I got to give posting. a shout out. Uh, it was done by an artist named Craig Nelson. Yeah. And uh, in a way, Craig Nelson will he's an he's a Saturday Night Movie alum. He did the uh, Monster Squad poster. Yes, and he also did the poster for what will probably inevitably be a future Saturday Night Movie sleepover movie at some point down the line. He did the poster for Garbage Fell Kids. The movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, He's he's got uh, he's got some sleepover movie cred, but I I love this poster. I mean, it's it's the uh, Newman hunched over the hockey stick with the for sale sign hanging off of it. The uh, the team kind of surrounding the team, him kind of up. behind him with the with the Hanson brothers standing in the background. To me, so, it's been always very like Mad Magazine. Yeah, it is very kind of this. You know, you're right? It's very. It's mad a caricature magazine. of them, but you could tell who each player is. You know, but it's and it's got that kind of color and that sensibility of it, which was of the era. Yeah. I mean, some of Mad Magazines, you know, they were huge in the 70s into the 80s, their heyday. You know, that's when I used to look at them in the 80s and stuff. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful poster. And, uh, I mean, the movie came out and it did $28 million at the box office, which I'm sure is better than, you know, I'm sure this didn't cost a lot of money to make. Yeah. You know, verse, whatever. I mean, um, uh, Gene Siskel talks about this is one of the r- few regrets he had giving a bad review to it because as... He gave it a mediocre review and then later in his life he grew to love it and, and put it on a list of the greatest American comedies of all time. <laughs> yeah, because of, so he kind of uh, redeemed himself. I mean, in 2007, GQ uh, did a uh, the 50 best sports movies and he, they proclaimed Shop, Splat... Slapshot was the best uh, sports film of the past 50 years, so I wonder what he thinks was prior to the 50 years. Like, you know, of a now, sports if we movie. have a minute, I have a slight, ever so slight George Roy Hill story. Okay. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and I figured, when else am I going to get to tell a George Roy Hill story? Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, I, uh, I could, I'll keep it to a shorter story than what I could be. I kind of became somewhat friendly with the director, uh, Jeff Lieberman. Yeah. Who directed the movie Squirm and Blue Sunshine and uh, uh, Just Before Dawn. And I was, he lives in Westchester, New York. And I was, I went up to Westchester to hang out with him and have lunch with him and uh, hang out. We hung out at his house. He wrote Never Ending Story 3. He had a Never Ending Story 3 poster. Is that the Jack office. Black one? <laughs> it might be the Jack Black one. Season one of them. It might be the John, Jonathan Brandis one. If I'm, I'm oh, okay. Just, I don't know. God rest his soul. But uh, So I'm hanging out with Jeff Lieberman, and this guy comes over and wants to borrow like Lieberman's canoe. Yeah. So 
He's like, yeah, 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 it's in the garage. So we go out. I help the two of them, like, put it on top of this guy's truck or his car or whatever. And we're, like, fa- tying it down, fastening it in. Lieberman's telling him, here's the oars. And, uh, you know, it, it should be good. We're you know, chatting, chatting, chatting. And Lieberman goes uh, to the guy. Unfortunately, I can't remember the guy's name. I feel bad about this. But he goes to the guy. He says, oh, you know what? Blake's an editor. I was like, oh, yeah, you're an editor. I'm an editor. What kind of stuff do you edit? And uh, I was like, oh, well, right now I edit mostly like kind of reality television. And I guess he's like a film editor, but he's in New York and he's living in, in you know, Westchester. And I guess he's not getting a whole lot of work. So he gives me his card, I think, in case like I, at work ever came up. So the guy leaves and I'm looking at his card and Lieberman goes, you know who? His dad's George Roy Hill. His dad was George Roy Hill. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, and I looked at the card, and it was like John Hill or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I was like, really? That guy's... We should have contacted him and interviewed him for this, <laughs> for this podcast. That would have been a great... I, I probably still have his card somewhere. And maybe that'll be a future get if we do like the Sting or we and do like, huh, Cassidy. that's the guy's... His dad directed this lap shot. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and I mean, that's he, he was older cl- than us, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so there was a very slight. I mean, odd. Newman always lived in Westport since 1966. He was a Connecticut guy, so maybe that maybe George Roy Hill was around here too. You know, you yeah, think yeah. a lot of them. So it's just a very, it's a you know, very odd little. little sort of like, oh yeah, I just kind of helped George Roy Hill's son like fasten a canoe to the top of his car with the guy that directed Squirt. <laughs> and I'm sure that that guy knew Newman well. You know, Newman's been in how many George Roy Hill movies? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that guy was a regular over Newman's Westport home. So you probably shook the hand that shook, you know, like, look at all this three ways from Sunday. You know, he wiped his ass in the morning, but he shook the hand of Paul (laughs) Newman in the afternoon. You know? So it's a slight little, I don't know when I'd ever get to tell that story again. So, so that's your connection. That's your, that's like, my odd little one point connection to slight. George Royal. Did he pass away? I don't know. I'm sure. I think he must have. I don't know what, uh, and what year was that story? That was, what, 2014 or 13 or something? Why were you up there? You just were talking to him uh, and you just We were just having out. lunch with Jeff Lieberman. Yeah. Because that's what you do. Yeah, <laughs> lunch with Jeff Lieberman. Look at you. I mean, well, the long story is that he took over a horror class that I used to teach. Oh, the, the one you always talk about. Um, yeah, I used to teach this class and then they ended up not having that class for a long time. And then when they finally brought that class back a couple of years after I taught it, I guess somehow Lieberman... His name came up. So Maybe they, he did a colloquium there or something. Or alma mater. Yeah. And they, asked, and they asked him if he would want to teach it. So he called me because my name was and my phone number were on the syllabus. They gave him my syllabus. And he called me when I was at work. And he's like, I answered the phone. He's like, is this Blake? And I was like, who, who may I ask you speaking? <laughs> and, uh. He's That's like, not important. He's like, you know, I think he said it's James Jeff Lieberman. It didn't click right away. And then he's t- we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. He's asked me about the class and all this stuff. And then finally, somehow he comes, he reveals that he's directed horror movies. And I was like, wait, you're you're like Jeff Lieberman. You direct. You're like the guy that directed Squirm, <laughs> Jeff Lieberman. And he's like, I'm glad you knew that movie. <laughs> and uh, so we became friendly. And uh, yeah. So I went up there to kind of talk to him more about the class and and just to pick his brain. About yeah, because yeah, you then we we all went to the uh, we had then screening at Alamo Draft House a squirm. Yeah, which was kind of I guess shortly after that. Yeah. Um. And he. Uh, yeah, we had just become friendly via talking on the phone and stuff, and 
So I just went up to on like an afternoon. I went and up. And you got to, to meet George Roy George Roy Hill's son. Yeah. That's great. And yeah. I got to see like one of the last remaining like fake worms from Squirm. Oh, you you handled it, right? I got to hold it. In my hold head. that motherfucker. <laughs> But anyway, so that's great, and the, yeah, and then uh, he he probably played a small part in making this movie, George Rahill's son. He was probably a little kid. Yeah, he probably was there. I mean, Newman's kid, one of his daughters, I think his oldest daughter cameos in this. She's in this movie, and not the one he ended up making Newman's own with, but he ended up uh, one of his daughters cameos in this movie, and you know, uh, you know his and the family would travel much like Charlton Heston. He was yeah, married yeah. to his wife for like fifty years, you know, um, Joanne. Um, uh, uh, oh Jesus, Joanne Woodward maybe is his is his wife's name. She was an actress at the time. Newman's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this movie came out, and then you know, like we said, it it, it was a modest hit it, over the years. It has become a, a legendary cult classic. And then in two thousand two, which was the twenty fifth anniversary, they did Slapshot two, Breaking the Ice, and then Slapshot three, the Junior League, came out in two thousand eight. Slapshot two has the. Uh, the 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 um, acting bravado of Stephen Baldwin oh, and maybe <laughs> one of my for some reason I feel like Busey might be in it yeah one of, he's in one of them <laughs> I think the he's Busey. in one and of the them. Hansons are in both of them yeah, yeah you know they bring the Hansons back and the Hansons do they do a lot of good charity work and stuff like that so you know that's good that they're still doing stuff to this day um, I'm surprised I couldn't bring like Newman back for anything you know like uh, semi related I mean I could see why he doesn't come back for Slapshot too. <laughs> You know, although that would have been awesome if they did have like a day cameo of him. You know, they got Chuck Heston to do like Wayne's World 2 for a scene, have like Newman, you know, come in for a scene. But anyway, um, so I'm sure Sleepover Star, uh, Sleepover Buckets of Pizzas, you're going to. Well, you know, I, this is a tough one because I, I, you know, I don't know in terms of Sleepover quality. I mean, I love it. I think it is Sleepover movie. Sure. Yeah, but it's all. I mean, as a movie, I would give for, for my love for the movie. I'd yeah, give it five buckets of pizza. Yeah, but then, but you, I mean, I think we've <laughs> we've discovered that that what a sleep, it's a very personal thing. What a sleepover <laughs> movie to everybody. So if you were uh, if you're growing up in one of these kind of towns uh, and a hockey kid, uh, a fan of a father who's a hockey, I guess I'd, I would imagine who's sleeping over is the question. Yeah, you know, you I mean, know. you you know, you 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 have. You're writing sports movies for, for the night. You might be getting this in, like, maybe Major League or something, or Bull Durham. Yeah, I don't know. You know? I think, uh, you know, maybe as a sleepover movie, I'd give it three or four. As my love for this movie and yeah. as a movie itself, I'd give it five. Yeah. Um, it's just, like I said, it's it's one of those movies that I grew up with, and it's a fond memory of this movie. I don't think I ever watched it at a sleepover with my friends. I may have. I don't I don't recall. I could have watched it with you at a sleepover. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We might you have know? watched it at a sleepover yeah. together. I mean, I saw it at some point. It was because of you I saw it. I mean, I would give Sleepover Stars, I'd give it like a four out of five or maybe even five out of five. I think it's great. And it's good. For sleepovers too, I think it's, it's right up my alley because I used to watch stuff like this growing up. So it's like, although I miss this, it's so nostalgic for me. It's it's unbelievable, especially the ta- even the towns. Like when he's walking across the street and people are beeping at him, he's waving. That looks like my hometown. Like yeah, all yeah. those, it's very New England to me. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So it's it's all very nostalgic for me. All this. I know? would say I would w- wager that many sleep Saturday Night Movie sleepover listeners have seen this movie. Yeah, and I would say if you have not seen this movie, well, we I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even if it's not even a sports movies isn't your, really your bag because we've clearly put the uh, the notification up that you know we don't really flip over sports. Although you are a sports movie fan, I'm not necessarily, yeah, yeah. and I love this movie, so it's good. And well, you even know, like this is like an atypical sports movie. I mean, yeah. yes, they there there is a bit of perseverance, but the way they persevere is 
foul not, language and not typical. Yeah, um, I and would say if that if like, you're a Newman uh, fan or a George Roy Hill fan, or you know, in a weird way, they remade this movie in 2008 with a bas- with the theme of basketball with Wolf Ferrell called Semi Pro. Okay, I I, th- I feel like I've only seen that movie once, but it's I, if I my my recollection is it's very similar. It's like minor league basketball, and you know, back in the, like the 70s. And something happens, they're going to sell the team, and Will Ferrell starts pulling up all these weird antics to try to... I did see that movie. Yes, I do remember that. Woody yeah, 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 and, yeah, and all that shit happening in the inside the locker room. <laughs> like Russell Bears. Yes, yes, I <laughs> do remember that. Time. Yeah, that is, you're right. It is very much like they're taking the, you know, the, the, this kind of idea and doing it. It's yeah. kind of this weird rip-off. Yeah. But don't see that. See this. See yeah. Slapshot. See Slapshot Don't first. see If you like Semi-Pro, you're going to love Slapshot. You know, so yeah, that's that's I'm you know, you know we we love this movie. We totally think you should see it. Uh, great times had by all. Um, and I want to thank everybody that's been supporting the uh, the Saturday Night Movie Sleepers Presents podcast. We've been really dishing them out there. Uh, we've been laying it on heavy recently, and we we will continue to do them in the future. But we probably yeah. will not be doing them as heavy. Well, you've been you've been getting the word out in the street. You've been you've been pounding the arches. <laughs> Walking around, but uh, we've been uh, we've been doing it. We're trying to bring new material uh, yeah. for these off weeks. But I just want to warn everybody: it's n- you know, it's not going to forever be like a we- a weekly thing. We'll try to do them as often yeah. as we well, can. Well, we got one in the in the hopper already that I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of funny, <laughs> but we'll talk about that soon. And you know, it's it's they're all they're we we hey, it's it's content. People love stuff and if you don't they like don't it, have to listen back. to it if you don't yeah. want to listen to it. And we got a great movie coming out in two weeks. That's going to be fun. Um. Uh, check out our Facebook page. Check out our Twitter page. Check out our actual site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, for extra stuff. We have a lot of extras there. Uh, Scored to death. Blake did a book. I have a book. Yeah, I have a book. As he yawns because it's it's uh, my and, mom's uh, coffee. And check I guess out you it. can probably still vote for it if you haven't voted yet. It's a, the book is nominated for a Ronda Award in the category number eleven. Book of the year. Yeah. I think voting goes till mid-April, like April 16th or something. Yeah. So if you haven't voted yet, I could use your vote. Dion and I need to own a little Rondo hat. It's not going to be mine. It's going to be It's going to be ours, Dion. You know, and then... uh, I'm going to share that bitch with you, okay? (laughs) Yeah. And and as well as... um, What do you call it? Uh, If you go to our site, Facebook, or if you go to Twitter, you can find that we have... um, us up we have links to it they can that they can yeah, find yeah. for the rondo and we should also thank people that came out to see us at yeah monster vision we had um a, we came we did a monster vision cherry hill convention uh, that uh blake was pushing his book at and i came to to to, to feather his brow and you know uh massage his carpal tunnels from signing and we had um <laughs> Ryan showed up, Matt showed up, uh, Ryan from Facebook showed up, Steven showed up, Jason showed up, all of our friends showed up, and uh, you know it was a great job. It, it was really great seeing people coming, listeners and audience members come and... Uh, yeah, it was great meeting uh, fellow sleepover movie lovers and people that are members of our Facebook page. It was... Uh, it was that's stuff. It's just cool. I mean, a lot of these people we have talked to via the internet. Yeah, and it was great to actually see them in person. Like, you're a, you're a real person. <laughs> you're not a ma- so you're not malware. So, but hey, thank you very much. Check us out in two weeks. Check us out in a week. You know, we might have stuff going on next week. And Who then knows? Certainly in you two never weeks, know with us. Yeah, it might be a surprise. So, uh, this is Wolfman Jack signing <laughs> off. Until next time, later. <laughs> How the hell do I shut this mother?